Wheeling Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Welcome to another special episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. We're here at Sun and Fun 2021. This is part four of the interviews from Sun and Fun. Now, today's interviews are coming from the deck interviews from April 14th. Those interviews also can be found at snfradio.com. You can find the individual ones there. And throughout the year, you can listen to these if you want to get your son and fun fix at liveatc.net slash snf. I'll list some of the interviews we have. We actually have Custom Z Fitter. Uh, they talk about some shoes that they have. Uh, highlights with Eric Crump. Every day we've had Eric Crump on the show. Global Aero Connect. Let her fly custom art design for your airplane. We also have Air America, Pamela Crone. Women in Aviation, Women Shine, we have Noah's, Rebecca Waddington, and we'll talk about the Tally Ho app, Rodney Johnson, to talk about maintenance and tracking of maintenance with your aircraft. Then AOPA's Government Affairs, Steve Hedges and Chris Cooper will discuss uh, what they do at AOPA in Government Affairs. Then they're gonna, we're going to have the passing of the torch for aircraft uh, uh, judging with uh, the folks from the EAA. Discuss buying an airplane by Stephen King from Airplane IQ. Next is Waco Aircraft, some of the really cool aircraft that they have with Mike Hartman. Then Michelle Reinsmith, from, who's the new ACE Director of Development at Sun and Fun. And we're going to talk a little bit about what the programs are and how Sun and Fun contributes to those programs. Next up, our 13th interview is Civil Air Patrol Luis Garcia. He's the Florida Wing Commander. Talks about the advantages of becoming a member of the Civil Air Patrol and what their mission is. And then Ampere Inc. Luke Wool. He actually is a person who's come up with some, uh, or has a website that has some amazing engineering of some two-stroke engines. I mean, they're really, really cool. you got to check out their website. And then the last one that we have is going to be me. I'm going to talk a little bit about scholarships and how you can get scholarships in this new year. Well, let's go to those interviews from Sun and Fun, April 14th, live from the deck. Again, you can listen at liveatc.net slash SNF. Now entering cruise flight. We're here with Richard talking to Fletcher, talking about customzfitter.com and uh, ZFit shoes. These are... The shoes that heal sore souls. Hey, welcome to to the podcast here. Welcome to the deck here. Thank you, Carl. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I just realized that. I knew you'd hear that. We, are, we, we will be on a podcast. By the way, if you want to listen to this broadcast on a podcast, they're all throughout the air. Chats from the deck. If you're listening on liveatc.net slash SNF, you can find out more. Anyway, uh, talking about Z-Fit shoes. Uh, first of all, what, what are these Z-Fit shoes? Okay, well, the actual shoes are called Z-Coil. Z-Coil. Z-Coil, and Z-Coil manufactures a number of different items. Uh, one of the things that they, they do is uh, called Z-Fits, and Z-Fits are insoles that are designed to support your foot inside the shoe. What's unique about the Z-Fits is that they're the only sized insole on the market 
that has six interchangeable arch supports. And that's significant because no two feet are exactly alike. So this gives you the flexibility of having essentially three separate insoles in one pack. They normally sell for $34.95. They're on sale here at Sun and Fun for $25. Bucks. Yeah, I guess one of the questions I'd have, and, and joining us on the deck is Russ Rosleski. Yeah, hey, hey Carl. Russ. Hey, it's great. thanks. Great to have you on the microphone this morning. It's a wonderful day. Yeah, it you is. Know, well, I tell you what, Richard, I mean, I was walking around all day yesterday, and my feet hurt a little bit. Imagine <laughs> right? that. I mean, I mean I, you know, probably 12,000 steps or something like that, and, you know, it's hot and sunny, and just walking around, standing around all day. Would, would what you have there help me out? Well, uh, possibly. Uh, Z-Coil is not necessarily for everybody, but if you do suffer from foot, leg, or back pain or knee pain in some way, shape, or form, it's important that you, you fundamentally support your feet. And the Z-Coil is the most unique shoe that was designed to do simply just that. It supports your foot 100% with a built-in orthotic and a spring coil heel that fully absorbs all impact. And when I say impact, I mean that's the, the most dangerous thing on our bodies is impact. It's not, you know, anything else. It's, it's gravity and it's impact. So this shoe is designed to help you absorb that impact, which then reduces the stress on your body. Makes sense, right? Sure. Okay. So that's what the Z-Coil does. And the Z-Fit is designed to complement that. So, and, and then we also have socks that are made out of bamboo. Bamboo socks. Bamboo socks, yes. Okay. The bamboo helps cool your feet so your feet don't sweat. Comfort right. fit. Yeah. Comfort. So, I mean, so, are we talking... Now, I, I don't know about you, Carl, but I'm thinking bamboo socks. I'm thinking, you know, sticks. Right, sticks. And and socks. No, 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 no. I mean, it can't be that, obviously. It's a combination of rayon and, and bamboo. Okay. The bamboo takes, takes away the, the moisture and allows the sock to, to breathe, and so it's a, it's a natural material. So on, on these shoes, you, you talked about orthotics. How about people that do have orthotics in their shoes? Can you? There, there's a number. There's a number of companies out there that build you know separate orthotics that right. can you, you can insert to virtually any footwear. Uh-huh. Uh, there are both advantages and disadvantages to those. Uh, the advantage is that once you find an uh, insole or orthotic that you like, you can switch it from one pair of shoes to the other, gotcha. which is wonderful because most footwear doesn't last that long. You know, if you get six months, nine months out of a pair of shoes before you have to either recycle them or, or refurbish them, you're probably doing well. Uh, with the Z-Coil, they're engineered and designed to last three to five times longer than any other conventional footwear. For example, I have a pair that I've literally worn for the last 13 years. Really? Yes. I certainly have had no pair of shoes or anything that's lasted that long. Correct. <laughs> because you can resole the, the rocker panel in the front and you can replace the heel coil. The heel coil comes with a lifetime guarantee. It's the only footwear on the market with a lifetime guarantee on the heel coil. Uh, it's also the original spring shoe, and they were introduced in 1995. Well, I see you're wearing a pair now. Yes, uh, I am. What are these like to walk in? I mean, it, you know, it's got the big spring on the bottom. It looks like you'd be on a moon bounce the whole time. Uh, no, not quite. Yeah, not quite. <laughs> okay, not quite. Yeah. If, if your listening audience would imagine what it would be like to stand on a safety mat that's about two inches thick, it's nice and foam and, and sure. cushy, right? Or, or thick piled carpeting. Right. It's kind of like that, but you get to walk with it. Even better, right? It is even better. Gosh. You know, uh, it puts a little spring in your step. Is, is, Absolutely. Is, yeah. yeah. Cause the, uh, the, the coil will actually absorb about 40% of your, of your body mass, and then it gives you an energy return as you spring off the coil. Make sense? 
So it actually gives you an energy return and it, precip it, it, it helps you walk more efficiently. It's also the only footwear on the market that's fully adjustable. You can rotate the coil up to 360 degrees, which means if you have someone who pronates or supinates, pronate meaning you, you roll in towards your big toe, or if you supinate and you walk on the outsides of your feet, you can adjust the coil of the shoe so it straightens out your gait. And what does that do? It takes pressure off your knees and your hips. It's logical. I, I walk like a duck. Uh, and so you, I guess talk the, like tec the technical you, you don't look is, like you're walking like a duck, Carl. <laughs> but but I notice my my toes go out when I'm walking. Yeah. So this will actually help me. I try as hard as I can to train myself not to. This uh, will actually because of the way the coil is situated in, in on the center point of your heel, it it allows your your gait to straighten out. Also, if, you, if someone suffers from plantar fasciitis or mm -hmm. heel spurs. This is an excellent footwear to help that. Uh, I have, there, there's probably several million clients throughout the world that have Z-coils. And they, they bought them because they, they help reduce inflammation on your feet. Now, we have a promotion going on right now. Uh, we are giving away a, uh, hang on one second, I'm going to pull this back up. We're giving away a picture of the Thunderbirds. Oh, cool. As, a, as our drawing along with a pair of Z-Fits. So the picture of the Thunderbirds flying over um, uh, Cape Canaveral and the, and the, the um, assembly building. Oh, awesome. So we got a picture of that and a, a pack of Z-Fits. And that whole, that? the whole value, is, well, you come on over to our booth. Our booth is in the southwest. Uh, it's outside next to the uh, donut shop. And Amish donuts. <laughs> Amish donuts, yes. Uh, booth number 32. Uh, we're outside. There's a, there's a big banner on the tent of a, of a biplane that says, Walk on Clouds with Z-Coil. One of the things that I think is most important is the health of your feet. I mean, I, I'm a little bit bigger. I've always had issues with my feet, and uh, I definitely going to go check this out. Is there an ability to purchase them right here at Son of Fun? Absolutely. Uh, we have... Uh, uh, we don't have a whole store with us here, obviously, but we do have sample sizes we can fit and custom fit just about anybody that uh, is interested. So I urge you to come on over to the tent. We'll uh, we'll give you a fitting, and if you like what you feel, then we can order a pair of shoes for you. How about wide guys like me? I mean, <laughs> my shoes, my feet, wide-footed people I wasn't like me. Commenting. One, one of the, one, <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that, Carl. I am going to tell you, though, uh, the Z-Coil is, is unique that it's the only shoe in the market that's designed to have a wide toe box which can set your toes free. And my motto is, we heal sore souls. That's a, that's a pretty good motto. Okay. Why don't you uh, give us a website where we can go for more information. Okay, you can find us at Custom Z Fitter. And that's the word custom, followed by the letter Z, and the word fitter, F-I-T-T-E-R dot com. And right now, with our promotion, if you'd like, you can text the word souls, and that's S-O-L-E-S, -E to 833 Five three five zero eight nine two, and again that's eight three three five three five zero eight nine two. Text the word souls, and you can enter the drawing. Well, Richard, thanks so much for joining us here. Don't forget to check out their booth, booth twenty three. It's right across from the Amish Donuts. There, you can look at them online at customzfitter.com. We'll put a little spring in your step. And, of course, they do heal sore souls. Thanks again, Richard. Appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thanks for letting me be well, on the air. We are, we are so excited to have all different types of vendors, people that heal your, your feet and also help your ears.
We have Eric Crump coming up on the de- deck here today. Hey, Eric, welcome to the deck. I, uh, nice. I, I really think it's important that we, we go out there and, and make sure that we're all covered up, maybe wear long sleeves or possibly certain things that can help us out. Yeah, I would definitely recommend some sunscreen today because uh, Sun and Fun is living up to its name of both the sun and the fun. So uh, the sun is out, it is brightly shining, and so please do uh, cover up cover up all that uh, exposed flesh. That person you hear is uh, Eric Crump. Hey, He's guys. He's the, uh, the director hey, for uh, Aerospace over at Polk State College, all-around wonderful guy. If you see him out here, grab him, say hi. Uh, you'll see him in that Polk State College Aerospace shirt. And, uh, hey, you know, Eric, one thing I, I forgot to ask you yesterday, maybe I didn't, uh, I think that some of the students here are helping out with Sun and Fun because this is run by volunteers. Yes, indeed. So I have about uh, 30 of my program students over in this STEM tent just outside of Hangar A um, talking about the awesome, cool things that uh, we do is, uh, through our partnership with Sun and Fun year-round. Talking about uh, the new Skylab, if you're on campus and you've walked uh, sort of toward the south uh, west into the campus, you've noticed uh, some big-time construction going on over there. So we've got information about Skylab, the programs that will be offered in there, um, as well as uh, some cool aerospace program swag like pilot wings. Pilot wings? Yeah, everybody well, loves like pilot wings. Everybody loves pilot wings. <laughs> Anywhere I go, I'm like, do you want a notepad? They're like, no. How about a pen? No. What about pilot wings? I'll take three of those. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Are they pilot wings with Polk State College on there? They have the little Polk logo on them, yeah. It, well, says, it says future flight crew underneath it. Yeah, it's cool. I don't have one. It's big. Yeah, I don't have one either, Eric. I think that says something about both of your abilities. <laughs> less about my generosity. Um, <laughs> you know, Eric, I, I tell you, one of the things that's been wonderful is to see all the people flying in here. I was talking to some folks out there on the flight line. And down close to where you guys are here on the east side of the field. And, boy, it seems like there's a lot more airplanes this year. I noticed that uh, yesterday I was actually in my office around 4 o'clock, and I, I, went, I just went out just to stretch my legs, <laughs> just to walk around for a minute. I looked out the back glass of the building, and they were already parking airplanes down in front of my building. Which is usually like a like an end like that's usually Saturday parking. And they run out of space, and they, so yeah. yeah, I was really kind of surprised um, first day to see that many people. But it was a beautiful day yesterday. Of course, it's beautiful today. We've got the night show tonight, so I'm sure a lot of people flew in for that. Um, but uh, yeah, it looks really. The campground is full. Um, it's, is it? I mean, Great. there may be two or three spots here or right, there, right. but wow. I just I rode through uh, like ten o'clock um, even on Monday, and it was already filling up in there. So yeah, it seems to be a lot of people here. And it's really, what's amazing, too, is that they're all so excited about this, even more so, it seems. Oh, definitely. I've seen that. Yes. Just, just walking around and the people parked, hanging out underneath their airplanes in the shade, and they said, you know, we've, we've been just aching to do something like this. People flown in from all over, as close as Tampa, and uh, the furthest I've heard so far was Alaska, but I'm sure there's others. Well, that's, that's pretty far away from that Alaska. Is pretty, that's, that's pretty quite a journey. They started now, I don't mean on an airline, by the way. <laughs> I'm talking to coming in here with a GA aircraft. Wow. Uh, some, of the, some of the really neat airplanes, I'd love to hear from you guys what you've seen out here, but uh, some of the, the really cool airplanes I've seen are some of those like Piper aircraft uh, and people that just have their own airplanes sitting underneath the wing. I love seeing general aviation aircraft. It's that uh, aviation community thing, you know, and I, I for one, I think everybody felt that way. I really missed that last year. It's one of my favorite parts about Sun and Fun. I mean, I love getting to hang out with you guys in person because we usually only talk <laughs> online, but uh, it is nice to, to get together, but it's that 
that uh, camaraderie part of the aviation experience thing that makes Sun and Fun so cool. That's the part I, I, I do love looking at the airplanes, don't get me wrong, but it's the community part that well, I missed it, last year. You know, you're exactly right, Eric, and I mean, it's kind of an old saying that the first time you, you come to one of these type of events is for the air show and the airplanes, and every other time is to see the same people over and over again that you only see once a year. So, yeah, it's been great. I mean, most people here... You know, it's been two years since I've seen any of you guys, and it's just like we never left. It's wonderful. It's cool in a, in a community like this, um, separated by a lot of distance and a lot of non-shared experience. When you do get around each other again, it's just like, oh, I just saw you yesterday. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. no time has passed. I mean, Carl looks way older than he did. Well, uh, last that's, time. That's because um, my hair has gotten grayer because I actually work for you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know work without like pay. <laughs> work without pay is called volunteerism. <laughs> yeah, you know, I say it's work when I'm around Eric, and every time I'm around my other friends, I call it volunteerism. Uh-huh. You know, dealing with you, Eric, is just a, a blessing. I was really. wondering where we were going with that. There was yeah. a pause. There was a big pause. That could have gone <laughs> any direction. <Either> way. <laughs> hey, Eric, what are, you, what are you doing, I mean, for the show? I mean, what, what are some of the cool things you're getting involved with here on campus? So, again, I've really enjoyed having the STEM 10 over there. And, and yesterday was mainly for me just an opportunity, like we just said, just to go and reconnect with a bunch of people that I haven't seen. Um, met with some of our uh, local partners yesterday and showed them around, showed them what we do here. Um, so that Because it's important. It's important that people come from Alaska and all over the place to come in and, and experience this, but it's also really important that our local community understands the great asset that this is to our community. And so yesterday was a lot of that. I had a really good time uh, getting to meet people. Um, had a really good lunch. Um, I would like to point out that the uh, the donut people are back. <laughs> so we were just talking we, about I know this has now come up in two <laughs> sections of interviews. Just in case this is important. that hasn't been mentioned yet, the donut people are back. <laughs> so... But that was the on Monday when we were doing setup. I was riding around on a golf cart, and I was riding around with uh, Gordon Mace, who works with me. He's my program coordinator. We were riding around. And I was like, "Oh, Gordon, we got to go check and see if the donut people are here." And lo and behold, they were. So we knew it was going to be a good sun and fun. Speaking of which, the uh, Gordon Mays and all the folks over there at, at uh, Polk State College. Do you guys have a booth here this year? I was wondering. We just have the stem tent, stem so tent? we're there okay. right by Hangar A. Gotcha. That's our primary location. We've got uh, we've got our table on one side, and we've got a lot of uh, like stem learning stuff. We've got a wind tunnel over there, 3D printers, really cool stuff. So everybody should come Great. check it out. And you know, one thing we do have to say about Polk State. Remember yesterday we were talking to the people at Piper, and we were featured in one of the Piper magazines, Piper Owner magazines. As uh, Polk State really does utilize uh, Piper equipment and. Uh, we talked about it in the art- article, but uh, what's the benefit of, of using those aircraft? Well, part of that's a little bit of a confirmation bias on the part of Eric because I learned to fly in a, <laughs> in a uh, Piper there you go. Well, so, loyalty, right? I mean, you, kn- sure. you know what you know, and I, I liked it. I did a lot of flight training in Cessnas also, which is why we have a mixed fleet, right? right so, I mean, right. They, they both have uh, a unique strengths in and of themselves, and I love the Piper for its stability. I love it for its uh, reliability. Um, for a primary trainer, um, it's just rock solid. Uh, it's rock solid, and not to put down the 172. I think it's you know also a good trainer. Just again, um, you know you know what you know. Sure. Um, I learned I learned to drive in my dad's uh, Chevy pickup truck, so I will probably you know favor uh, a Chevy over something else because <laughs> that's what I learned to drive in. I learned to fly in a Piper, so I'll probably always favor that a little bit. 
So we're going to let you go ahead and get your breakfast here, Eric. I know we kind of grabbed you uh, yeah, on the deck. We just have well, about a minute and But it's you seconds. and Russ, so, I mean, I, you like it's, being I've, it's easy. It was just right. <laughs> I would stand here and talk to you whether the mics were on or not. You know, so since you did come up here, let, let's make sure that we get the website where they can find you for those people that are listening. Sure. Come check us out at polk.edu slash aerospace. Lots of information there about all of our degree programs and links to our social media accounts where you can see Carl Valeri volunteering as flight team coach. <laughs> And hey, by the way, congratulations to your team at Polk State College for making it to the Nationals this year. Uh, congratulations to our team, Carl. For uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's uh, I I support and wave the flag and cheer in the background. Carl does all the work, um, but it's it's awesome. It's awesome to uh, to go to Nationals for the first time as a team. I'm really excited about that and um, looking forward to it. Yeah, and and a lot of people are asking where they're going to be held. They're actually being held virtually this year again. Yeah. Uh, so, but next year we're definitely going to have an in person event we're very much excited about that talking with eric crumb director of aerospace over have a great day guys State college thanks so much eric for coming thanks, up here eric. last it. minute there he's always wonderful to talk to uh, entertaining and funny you're listening to sun and fun radio you know you can listen to us on 15 10 a.m if you're driving away during this event i know a lot of people are streaming us on liveatc.net slash snf you know, some of these guys out there, you know, sometimes they might need to get a little bit of a jump start or they want to update their databases or whatever. We've got a solution for that today. Joining us on the deck with us is the folks from Global AeroConnect. Global AeroConnect has a very unique device, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first, we're going to start with Todd Smith and Bill Brown. Guys, thanks, and welcome to the deck. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having us. You know, uh, I just talked a little bit about some of those people that might be able to need a jump start or want to update their databases out here at Sun and Fun. There's a very unique device that's sitting in front of us. It's uh, small, it's orange, it's only nine pounds. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, basically, uh, the uh, this uh, jump start battery is developed by Avion Power, who is up in Massachusetts. Um, this this battery system was originally developed uh, about. Oh, 12, 13 years back for the U.S. military for the 160th SOAR. Um, basically, um, from there, about, you know, it was used successfully in combat and everything in, in rough situations. It's still being used today. Uh, it's also, uh, about four or five years ago, became available in a version called the Voyager, and it's available to your uh, individuals, civilians, as well as commercial industries now. So it, it's essentially a extra battery pack, sort of, kind like of. you could get for your car, but for airplanes, yes? Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's the uh, standard 28-volt uh, plug. So okay. Almost every aircraft, uh, except for 12-volt. Uh, good thing is that uh, it, you can just basically plug it into any 28-volt system. You can do your map updates, your Garmin updates. You don't need to plug to external power. If your battery is completely dead, you can just plug it in, hit start, and go crank. Uh, it's very simple. Okay. Well, so I, I, mean, I, I fly a lot of different airplanes, and we, and it seems like we're always doing some kind of database update. You know, it's, it's continual. Right. Or, you know, you know, sometimes the database updates take longer than others, but sometimes maybe you just you need to work with something or practice or, or use the avionics or training or something like that. Is that a good use for this thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you can use it, plug it in. It lasts for about two hours. Okay. Depending upon how much usage you put oh, into sure. the system. Yeah, how much stuff you got turned on, right? <laughs> I have a Bell 407, so I have a Garmin 1000H flight deck. Okay. So I do a lot of updates and uh, 
I actually do training. I also have an MX-10 FLIR on the front. So if I want to run the FLIR, I can run this for about an hour and not drain any of my internal battery power. Oh, yeah, I imagine the FLIR is pretty uh, high very, current load. Yeah, yeah you're doing both. Sure. And so it's good. You take it off, you disconnect it, put it on a charger either in your car or on a cigarette adapter or at home in a 110 outlet, and it takes about an hour to charge it. Really? Yes, sir. That's so it lasts for about two hours, and you can charge it in one? That seems pretty yes, good. Yes, it, yeah. And also when, with the starting abilities, there's two units. We have the 10-amp unit and the 20-amp unit. The 10-amp unit's a 9-pound unit. The 20-amp unit is a 15-pound unit. Now, with the 10-amp unit, the 9-pound unit, you will get five to six starts off that before it needs to be recharged. With the 20-amp unit, you're going to get 10 to 12. And that it, Again, it's depending on the aircraft, too, that you're trying to start. One of the good things that people always ask they don't want to be discriminatory of their aircraft. So like a Bell 412 twin-engine turbine uh, needs the larger battery to start. Same with your Gulfstream 5s and your Cessna Citations. But twin turbine, bigger unit, single turbine, or prop, smaller unit. Okay, good. The larger units, um, and I think you do more bigger units than these, right? Uh, yes, yes, we do a lot of the large units. A lot of the large units also go out to a lot of fleets. A lot of, a lot of you know companies that have many aircraft. They're starting many times a day. Uh, instead of you know firing up the aircraft and, and using the main battery for starting, which you know puts stress on on a lot of different things, turbines, etc. You know. This also helps prevent hot starts, etc. So, you know, that way you, you can take a 10 and, and fire up 10 of your aircraft without having to drain from the, the main batteries. Yeah, one of the good things that we see is, especially with fleets in Air Force, like the Royal Saudi Air Force, they'll use them because of the temperature fluctuations so much drain the batteries out in the field. They don't have any remote site. They have no FBOs. So they'll carry one per aircraft, and they'll use it because the temperature just kills their batteries, and they need to restart immediately. So it's really good for a light aircraft owner who is operating in remote fields like crop dusting or whatever who don't have access to an FBO or a GPU. I'm picturing, uh, like, missionary work. Yes, absolutely. Correct. Correct. I did work in South Africa in Polonisburg and Kruger National Park doing rhino, counter-rhino poaching. My battery would die all the time, and, you <laughs> sure. know, I'm stuck out in the African bush, and I just go out and plug it right on in, and it works great. Our, 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 um, our client base is, is uh, very broad, from law enforcement, military, uh, um, industrial, oil, oil, oil industry. Um, uh, well, just imagine the- getting stuck on an oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico, <laughs> and you work for PHI, Petroleum Helicopters, and you... You don't have a way to start. This is in all the PHI. The medical evac helicopter, right, too. Right, right. And, and so these folks, do they carry them with them in the aircraft, or do they keep them on the rigs? I mean, what, how do they do that usually? Either or. Either yeah. or. They, it goes right on the aircraft with you, or you can leave it uh, in the hangar. Yeah, I carry this one in my backpack, and I got a D-ring, and I just hook it in in the back seat belt there in the 407, and off I go. And if you get it with the with the permanent uh, attachment um, or the bracket that has specially been made for it, if I'm not mistaken now, it'll come with an STC. And it goes in your aft baggage compartment or anywhere, and you can trickle charge it using your USB port. Really? Absolutely. How long is that going to take? Probably about two hours. Yeah, yeah I was going to say a little longer, but still two yeah. seems pretty good. But again, you, the standard plug it into a 110 outlet, it takes an hour. So 
really the intent is to keep it at 100%. So one of the concerns on batteries like this is shelf life. I mean, we're talking, and usage. Uh, okay. What are the cycles? What kind of limitations? Uh, it's got 2,000 charging cycles. Each, like on the 10, uh, 10 amp unit, like I said, you're going to get uh, five starts out of it, you know, times, you know, the 2,000. Then with the, the bigger one, you get 10 starts out of it times 2,000. So it's an average of 2,000 charging cycles. How about, uh, I mean, so if, it, if I charge this today, is it going to be usable next week? Yes. Yes. Or yes. next it, month. Or, uh, or yes. Basically, if it sits on the shelf, it has an average of about a three percent discharge per month. So if it's oh, that's char- not much at all. If you charge it to a hundred percent and don't use it for ninety days, it should still be at ninety-one percent. Yeah, the one wow. thing that's really critical: a lot of people talk about amps and voltage and being have enough cranking power, especially for some large turbines. Again, twenty amp, ten amp, but then you got to look at the throughput amp. So you come to four hundred and six hundred. And then fourteen hundred and twelve hundred on a short spark. Right, right. So you can start that twin turbine, G five or equivocal, no problem. It looks uh, it's pretty pretty durable too. I mean, it, it it almost looks like some kind of you know military grade, you know, impact resistant. It is. I can drop it out of a C one thirty or no. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's being okay. used right now by by the military. Um, they get them in the stealth black, though. Uh, of course. <laughs> well, the presidential fleet out of uh, Langley. Yes, yes. The, uh, yes, uh, Marine One Squadron each have these in the aircraft now. Yeah, it's a, it's a great unit to have with you, but how about in the extremes, both the heats and the colds? So let's go back over that, like where my wife was down in Antarctica. Antarctica, well, yeah. yeah. I recently took a unit to Saudi Arabia to test for the Royal Saudi Air Force. It gets hot there. Very hot. 55 Celsius. Oof. Yeah, so, I, I, I've spent several months over there. Yes. I, I lived there. So, yes, uh, per the cr- testing criteria that's required and needed, it has to go to a minus 35 Celsius and plus 55 Celsius. That's about 149 degrees ground temp. To include it, it has to withstand dust, and it's actually sealed. So you, if you drop it into the water by mistake, a puddle or something, you would just pick it up, dry it off. Should be fine. Yep. Good to go. A lot of the limitations on some of these aircraft are around uh, 40 degrees, uh, negative 40, excuse me, negative 40 up in Canada, that t- in Calgary and things like that. Uh, how, do you, how do you make sure that you, you keep this thing warm enough so they can start it? Well, there is a, a bag that it can sit in, which is a, like a thermal insulate bag, which will keep it pretty much warm as long as it's not out laying in the snow. <laughs> Again, other people just wrap it in a blanket, I'm told. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah I've been told that. You can tell I fly a lot of places that are really <laughs> cold. <laughs> well, you know, you brought up a very good topic. A lot of the remote pilots who do flying in Alaska for fishing camps, just delivering cargo, they, remote, they go to remote strips, especially seaplanes. Seaplanes land in the water. If they can't start, some guy's going to have to get out on the pontoon and try to do that. <laughs> right, crank right. it. He can crank that, throw it right on in, and he's gone. Where can they find more information if they're listening right now on liveatc.net slash SNF? Uh, online, I think it's globalarrowconnect.com. Uh-huh. And uh, on the home page, uh, the tab up top that says the Voyager. Click onto that. It'll give you some information. It's also got some videos on there showing its use. And the Voyager start battery, if you don't mind, we'd like to hang on to you for just a couple more minutes. Uh, sure. Uh, just we're going to have to do a quick uh, public service announcement, and we'll get back to the folks here at globalaeroconnect.com. 
Folks, we really appreciate you coming here and visiting us here at Sun and Fun Radio and also here at Sun and Fun. But don't forget to social distance, wear your mask, and also make sure you drink those fluids. If you need some medical attention, attention, you can, it's real easy. Go down Voyager Lane. Where is that? That's up close to where the main ticketing booth is. And uh, it's just to the north of the big 727 Piedmont Airlines. If you're looking for somebody, you have some lost and found, well, there's an easy spot to find. That is just to the south of that Piedmont. You know, there's a theme here. It's a 727 Piedmont. There's a lot of stuff. Airplane right there. There's a lot of stuff around it. Isn't it's there? really hard to miss that airplane. It is super hard. Yes. And that was the smartest thing they did is put all that stuff <laughs> right near there. You know, across the street from that medical building is also One Blood. One Blood is right across the street from that. So make sure you go check out the folks at OneBlood.com. And I think they're doing uh, they're doing for, uh, T-shirts if you get blood there. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. So, they're yeah, giving yeah, away yeah, T-shirts. T-shirt. Yeah. 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 And so one of the things that I think is really important is for us to give back to community. And But it's an easy way to do that. You can go ahead and save a life giving blood and also get a free T-shirt shirt oneblood.org oneblood.org yeah well back here again to the deck with our friends at globalaeroconnect.com globalaeroconnect.com has uh it's they're featuring right now the voyager start battery it's kind of like a, a miniature apu i guess we could call it an apu <laughs> correct actually. yes APU. it is right, <laughs> and, and most of us we think about an apu as something you have to start up and kicks out smoke this thing is a battery uh for those uh, that don't know and just joining us now uh, you can actually find them at Hangar C, uh, booth 57, and it's the folks at Global Aero Connect. And they're actually, you're local, aren't you? Yes, we're located over in Clearwater, and like I mentioned before, the factory that manufactures these uh, these, these batteries are up in Massachusetts, so it is a U.S.-made product. Yeah, made here in the USA. Uh, you can actually charge your, you can actually do a lot of things with it, but one of the things is you can use it as an external power and also charge your batteries with it a little bit, so... Uh, some people get stuck, and uh, they can't start their engines, and one of the great ways to do that is with an APU. Well, why not with a battery APU, just like this right here? Uh, the unit, again, uh, is for many different uses, and you have many different clients, many different size units, but today Correct. we're featuring more for the GA pilot. Correct. And is there any giveaways you're doing, any specials for the show here? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, the, the factory is allowing us to do uh, 5% off the retail price uh, at the show in order to promote this uh, battery. Awesome. The, um, one of the things that I think is, is really important, we talked about this before, is that we hate to get stranded. This, this is really helping actually save lives. I mean, think about it. We, you talked about PHI. Some people don't know that PHI goes... Uh, Petroleum helicopters goes out to the petroleum fields, and they go out to the, the platforms, but they also do something really important, and that's medical evac. And these are the folks that need something like this, especially if they're evacuating people from the fields, from the platforms, and also out there on the road. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's one of our emphasis market areas is strictly looking at air ambulance, medevac, and casevac units that operate supporting local hospitals. People who are in remote areas, they actually don't have access to ambulances, especially in mountainous or weather terrain, somewhere snow is. They have to go be flown into the hospitals. Well, if my helicopter lands at the hospital to evacuate a patient and all of a sudden I can't start, the hospital isn't going to have one of these normally. They don't even have GPUs, ground power units. So really for the air ambulance operator, this is a great asset to keep in the aircraft and even for the emergency landing pads, like hospitals, to have one on standby, just in case. Oh, yeah. So at the air ambulance, uh, medevac 
show in Atlanta in 2019, we demonstrated this, showing the Medivac air user the value of the product and then how it can both support a hospital and an air ambulance service company because they go out and pick people up at crash sites where there's nothing. What happens if they die? What happens if the battery goes dead? Yeah. Right. Then they can't even run their life support systems. At the least oxygen. if they're stuck on the ground, they got two hours of, uh, of uh, life support. If that. Wow. Wow. Uh, um, guys, this has been great having you on here, and I'm glad you stuck around for a little bit. But they can find you at globalairconnect.com, Hangar C, Booth 57, giving discounts right here for the Voyager Start Battery APU. Thanks again, guys. I appreciate you coming by. You know, one of the, the really important things here is to support our, our vendors and also those that are exhibiting here. And today we have uh, some really terrific people here uh, that are helping out folks that are in need and uh, through the world and also here in the United States. Kyle and Rebecca Stevenson are here, flyawa.org, and, uh, and also they are Wings for Humanity. Actually, wingsforhumanity.org is the one they really want to promote today. To find that at Wings, the number four, humanity.org. Kyle, wait, welcome. I appreciate you coming here today. Yeah, thank you, Carl. And Rebecca, thanks, thanks again for coming up here on the deck. This is going to be an awesome uh, talk that we're going to have here because there are so many people doing so much to help people out there, both spiritually and also physically. Tell us a little bit about your organization, Rebecca. Well, we have the opportunity to be able to serve people from abroad and, and close up. We serve those that are in need and hard to reach places out in the field like third world countries remote areas um there's there's even places in north america here that we serve like up in alaska and in ontario canada where we are able to reach the locals with their needs sometimes we're flying in food sometimes we're flying in medicine um it, it could be a whole host of things as well as we also uh, do angel flights from our location, our headquarters in Smithfield, North Carolina. We work out of the JNX airport currently. And the the type of flights that you do, when you, when you talk about those angel flights, these are people that are, are in need of primarily medical assistance, is that correct? Most of the time, yeah. We, we do angel flights for those usually that are struggling with cancer. So cancer patients that maybe they can get to their appointment if it's a long distance, but most of the time after their treatment, they don't have the strength to be able to make that car ride back home. And so we will fly them back home. It's free of charge to them. They don't pay a dime. We are completely supported by donors from our constituency base awesome. of, of supporters, yeah. As a matter of fact, you can help out, too. You can go to Wings for Humanity, wings4humanity.org, and you can help out uh, with all these different types of flights, the, the humanity, the angel flights, the medevac flights, and in many different uh, challenged countries throughout the world. We were talking about Guyana and some of the other <laughs> countries that you've actually been able to get into. Uh, that's a big network. I mean, how do you how do you uh, you have a vast network? How do you handle it? That? It is. <laughs> we we're, we're busy. I mean, the the medevac flights that we're able to do in country have been not only life saving to people, but it's helped to build incredible relationships. We've been able to help mothers that are having pregnancy complications, as well as giving hope to people that actually need the medical care. Because so often in these countries, they can get to the hospital sometimes. If sometimes, because right. that's not always the case, but when they right. are able to, they may be able to get there, but then they don't have the means to be able to get back to their families. So not only do we take them to the hospital, we're able to fly them back. 
So that yes. gives them the encouragement and the hope that, okay, if I need medical care, excuse me, I'll be able to actually get there get and come back to my family. And some of the times, even if the, the patients aren't able to make it, the families can have closure because we will fly the deceased back to them so that they can have that that ceremony, the goodbye ceremony and the funeral. Wow, that's that is an, an amazing thing that you all do. Hats off to you. What a, what a blessing that is for for all the people around the world at uh, wingsforhumanity.org. Kyle, I know you got your start in aviation. You both are, are student pilots, I think you said, but you got your start yes. in in. Uh, yeah, you're training right now, which is great, you know, and I think that's terrific. But you've been around airplanes for a while, haven't you? Yes, yes. I've been an aircraft mechanic for about 19 years. Wow. Uh, I started off in, in Oregon. I went to school at a local community college there, Lane Community College. They had a A&P program. So I went to school there. I got my degree in A&P maintenance for aircraft. And uh, two years later, I got a job working for one of the largest flight schools on the West Coast now, which is uh, Hillsborough Aviation or Hillsborough Aero Academy. Worked there for about 17 years, and then I moved on, and now I'm working with Adventist World Aviation Wings for Humanity. One of the things that I think people uh, don't realize is you guys have moved. I know you were doing you were in another spot uh, and sharing a, a tent, but now you're in a great location. And uh, where is that again? What hangar was that again? We're in Hangar C, Space 59. Base 59, and uh, the closest thing to that is who are you next We are to? right across from Hooker Harnesses. Oh, Hooker Harnesses, of course. Yeah. Hooker, yeah, Hooker Harnesses. That's funny. And go check them out. You know, the, the other reason you want to check them out is that you have this incredible raffle going on right now. So, so Rebecca, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? When you first told me, I, I kind of had to clarify, you're giving away what? <laughs> <laughs> we are raffling a 1961 Piper Colt. Airplane. And Yes, that, that is an airplane, real, real live airplane, Piper Colt. You wow. can actually fly it. I have flown it. My husband has flown it, too. So we're raffling that off, as well as a Honda Shadow. It's a motorcycle. It's a 1998 Honda Shadow 600. Mm-hmm. We've got an iPad and a headset. So you've got four chances to win. The tickets are $50 a piece or three for $135. So come by and grab a ticket. And the, the benefit of this is... You're not just buying a ticket to, to win some sort of item. You are actually helping us to continue on in the work that we do around the globe. You're helping to save a life. Every $365 is reserved for saving a life. It's a, a, a full tank. It helps us to fly. It helps us to do what we do. That's all? $365? Yep. $365 to save a life. That's Cheap, a, right? That is that. Oh my gosh! That's that, a lot of raffle tickets. That is, That's a lot that, of opportunities to win something. Yeah, let me look at my <laughs> wallet here. I may not have enough cash. Is there any way I could pay for this otherwise? Maybe with a credit sure, card. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Swing so, by the booth. It, yeah, I go, I go swipe my credit card. I definitely want to get in that raffle to win the the Piper Colt and also the Honda Shadow. But don't forget iPad and also iPad and somebody who's for a headset for an aviation headset yeah. so they can go fly in their new. Piper Colt. Can they win exactly. both Exactly. <laughs> just got to enter a whole bunch of times. That's yeah, and, and then the Honda to get there, too. And the, the Honda to yeah. get to the airplane. There I, you go. I like how you're, you're going here, <laughs> and you can always navigate with that iPad. So uh, it, as, absolutely amazing that you're able to partner with people to be able to do this, this raffle. And I, I just, you know, I think it's hard for us, especially here, when we go out and we buy ourselves a headset for $800, and then you just tell me that for half that price I can save a life. Yeah. 
I, I just, it, you know, it's like, well, gosh, I, forget the headset. I'm just going to come over here and, and help out. As a matter of fact, maybe uh, I, I'm online right now and I'm listening. I live atc.net slash SNF, and I wish I could get involved in the raffle or be able to help. Uh, how would I be able to do that online? Go online? Well, at our website, Wings for Humanity, there is a button right there at the top that says Donate. And you can donate to our cause and help us to continue saving lives. If you have further questions, even about the raffle, because this is so new, it's kind of like our pilot station, literally, right. for beginning this raffle is here at Sun and Fun. It will, the, the, the information for the raffle will soon be on the website. It's not there yet, but we're getting there because it's that new. But you can email us at info at flyawa.org. And you can ask questions about the raffle. You you can even make a donation as well for that. So reach out to us. There's a number to call as well. And our our head office, that's 919-938-2920. We'll get that information out there. It's flyawa or also wingsforhumanity.org. Uh, so I'm going to get this question I know afterwards. Uh, if I'm somebody that really, I like to volunteer, is there any way that I could give, maybe not monetarily, but uh, me physically go out and yes. help out? How, how would I do that? Contact us at mm-hmm. that, that address, uh, info, or call the office. And there, there's many ways that you can volunteer. You know, there, there's even being out here with us at these sorts of events, you know, letting people know what's going on and helping to recruit. There's also other means if you've got a gift, maybe you're, you know, mechanically inclined or maybe you have some sort of carpentry set or maybe you just want to do a short-term stint in the field, you know. There are many different ways that you can volunteer, even being ambassadors for the, the work that we do. You can go around to businesses. You can go around to churches. You can go around to other individuals and share the ministry. That is a huge aid to us when that word goes out. So how do you actually uh, raise most of your money to be able to do these flights? Is through these donations? It's all through donations, 100% donation-based. We're not sponsored by anyone. We are not um, lifted up through any sort of church conferences or anything. It's all donation-based by all of the networking and the constituency base that we have, the supporters that we meet. Well, that's awesome that you guys do this. Uh, and Kyle and Rebecca Stevenson, I really appreciate both of you being here today. Oh, thank uh, this you for this us. has been awesome. And I think what you guys are doing is incredible both for, for both the body, the physical part, and also for the mind and the soul. And, uh, and it's something that I think people don't realize goes on in this world. It, and it's neat to see a shining light during such a kind of a dark time right now. And, uh, and it's wonderful to see you folks out there providing that light. And also, don't forget, you can get something free, too, by <laughs> going out to the raffle at their booth. It's in Hangar C, uh, right near Hooker Harnesses. I know they've been there for a while. Uh, but check them out. They're very friendly people. Kyle and Rebecca Stevenson. Find them at uh, Wings for Humanity. That's a Wings, number four, humanity.org. And also flyawa.org. They're giving away a Piper Colt, a 1961 Piper Colt, awesome airplane, and also a Honda Shadow motorcycle so you can get to the airport, go fly your airplane, an iPad, so you can definitely navigate. And, of course, you need your headset so that you can hear. Guys, thanks again for being here. Anything, anything else you want to tell us about the organization in the last 30 seconds here? 
Just uh, come on out, check Changed out the... Changed life. The last angel flight that we did was for a COVID patient that he and his wife had suffered. He recovered. His wife died. He needed to be relocated from Savannah, Georgia. We flew him back up, up to North Carolina to be with his daughter. Both he and his daughter started Bible studies, and they were just baptized a couple weeks ago. Awesome. Changed life. It happens. Life-changing, and find them at, yes. at wingsforhumanity.org. We're going to go to a commercial break. Today, you know, uh, David, joining us on the deck is uh, somebody to talk about an organization called Air America. And by the way, um, I do have to mention the Veterans Plaza is where she's located. Uh, But there's a lot of other really cool uh, events, venues right there. And we haven't really talked about that a lot. So I'm going to ask her to talk a little bit about the Veterans Plaza. Pam, uh, welcome to the deck here at Sun and Fun Radio. Uh, Thank you, Carl. It's very, I'm so grateful that you... Uh, that you are you allowing me to speak yep. on the Sun and Fun Radio. Uh, first, I'd like to start out with a shout out and thank you to CEO Lights Leanhouse, Laura Vaughn, David McQuarrie, David Shawbetter, Gary Clark, and all the staff with Sun and Fun for hosting Air America Association. Our affiliation has enriched my life in ways that I cannot begin to explain. Uh, we have a we have a booth over in the uh, Veterans Plaza since uh, 2013. And uh, it's been great to be here almost every year since then. And I'd like to take a few minutes to tell you my story, if I may. Would that be okay? All right. So I'm an Army Airborne Air America brat, also chairwoman of the Air America booth in the Veterans Plaza. My father was a a career aviator, chairwoman of the Air America booth in the Veterans... Excuse me. My father was a career aviator certified in rotor wing and fixed wing aircraft, as well as a flight instructor. His name was Don Franks, who is deceased since 1992. He has been referred to by Paul Oakridge, Ph.D., with UDT as a Cold War warrior. That's because his career started in 1951 as an infantry ranger in Korea, and he was involved in the events that took place in Southeast Asia from 1962 when we returned stateside to Washington, D.C. from Germany until the end of 1974. Uh, he, he retired from the Army after 21.5 years and served with Air America for eight, eight and a half years. So Air America, for eight and a half years, what, what is Air America? Air America was an airline that was functioning in Southeast Asia in different theaters from 1950 to 1976. And it was covertly owned by the United States government and run by the CIA. So it's something that a lot of people have uh, seen movies about, I, I guess, and... Uh, they they always say to me, ask me, you know, is is there is that a good depiction of that? I'm not someone that's well versed in it. I've read a few things. What was your feeling about that? Well, when I first, when my father passed away in 1992, I didn't have a lot of knowledge about his career. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I knew is that he was involved in covert ops for many years. And the movie, when the movie came out uh, in 1990, Air America. It didn't d- depict to me what I had heard from my father about the, the service that he had given to our country. And I didn't particularly care for it. Uh, and none of the Air America vets care for it either. And so what you're trying to do is actually get the word out as to what Air America truly was and what, what their service was uh, during that period. And, you know, we've had other folks that were on the deck here and discussed Air America and uh, one of the important things is to realize that they, they did 
provide a very essential service to uh, the citizens here and also overseas. Correct. Their, their job was to move uh, Laotian nationals from one spot to another, and they were also um, providing food and uh, rice drops. Uh, they were dropping pigs, chickens, and all types of nourishment that the people needed on the ground that were disrupted by all the bombing that was going on uh, in that, uh, around the borders of, of Laos. And they were also moving uh, Thai um, soldiers in to fight in that area. And, and uh, people kind of don't know the, the geography there. Vietnam over there to the east and the Laotian border. And uh, this area was actually, they were they involved in, in the war at that time? No. They were flying aircraft that was not uh, equipped with any type of uh, machinery as, as far as uh, ammo. Uh, some of them would carry a 45 in a briefcase next to them, and they were able to carry it. They were issued Uzis when they first came to work for the company, but most of the Air America pilots said that the Uzi wasn't worth the metal it was made of. So are you just basically saying that it was a humanitarian effort, at least what was given to the general public at the time? That's correct. And to this day, though, and I I remember reading your story, it must have been difficult for you being a child of somebody who's involved in something that is so covert because you, you can't say, hey, how was your day at work? You know, where, where'd you go today? You know, I, I work with a lot of troops, and I, I sometimes make that mistake. Hey, where are you located? And they're like, well, I can't really tell you. Uh, how was that to deal with? I mean, I'm sure having this, the stories told, they must have been told years later. Right. Well, unlike most Air America families that travel to Southeast Asia with their spouse, my mother chose to remain stateside. So we, we didn't really have any knowledge about what was going on on a daily basis in that area. And... Um, it turns out that there was a great deal of uh, time and separation between um, my family and my father, and we were re- reunited later. Was, was there ever an attempt to right the ship or perhaps handle the subject from another angle in later years when it came to Hollywood? Yes. There's a, uh, we have a uh, History Channel documentary that was produced by Monty Markham, and Monty Markham's brother, Jesse Markham, was a pilot uh, who was involved in Air America. We also have several DVDs uh, that were playing in the Air America booth. One of them was produced by the Museum of Flight in Seattle, uh, Washington, and it's an interview of Bob Noble, who is the current Air Association president, and Captain Marius Burke. Isn't it interesting that your dad never thought decades after his death his daughter would be traveling and circulating information on behalf of him as he did on behalf of our country and and actually when i i spent time with him for about i had about six months with him before he passed away in in 92 and he told me then that there was going to be information being released about 10 years ago, which is what was happening. And I had started looking for that information then. Um, And through the Vietnam Helicopter Pilots Association and my connection with them here through Sun and Fun, they are the ones that pointed me to University of Texas Dallas and also Texas Tech University in Lubbock, uh, Texas. Uh, There's a 
quite a bit of material that's been uh, collected and archived at those two universities. And I had an opportunity to go out in 19, excuse me, 2009 uh, to my first Air America reunion and meet with quite a few people. Um, and I have since started my own collection, and I bring it to Sun and Fun as often as I can. And it, the people here are really enjoying uh, coming in, seeing the artwork, they're seeing the brochures, they're seeing the DVDs, they're hearing the news, they're meeting the people that actually work for Air America, and the story is completely different than what most people think. Very interesting story. Thank it's you. an amazing story, and also you can find out more by going to the Veterans Plaza, and we always keep forgetting to yeah. tell people about that. It's right behind here, right behind Sun and Fun Radio. Right. As you come in the main entrance, you're right there. Uh, if you want to find out more, you can you can find out at uh, the Veterans Plaza. You can see them there. It's kind of easy to find, actually, Air America. AirAmerica.org also to find more about the story. And uh, I love the fact that you have some books if people want suggestions of what to read and also to get more information. Because this story, we've just touched on it. There's so much more to it. I think we really need to know more and understand more. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate your taking the time to speak with me and allow me to tell my story. Well, this has been awesome, and you know what? We're going to see a lot more of you because uh, you're also is an ambassador here for Sun and Fun. What an amazing thing this is, Sun and Fun, both from an event and also what they do all year long. Thanks again for being here. You can check them out at the Veterans Plaza. We're going to go to a break. We'll be right back. There are so many cool things out yeah. here, both uh, civilian and oh, yeah. also military aviation. All the way up to some of that, that new tenant that's here in Lakeland Airport. Oh, yeah. Uh, not right down from where I am located. I love watching the airplanes every day. And that's NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric totally Association. You. Uh, you know, joining us today is Commander Rebecca Waddington from the NOAA Corps. Hey, welcome. Thank you, Carl. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited to have you here because uh, a couple things. I'm involved in the local women in aviation chapter. We're going to talk a little bit about that later and, uh, and what's coming up for Girls in Aviation Day. I'm very excited about that. But I think uh, some people don't realize still to this day uh, the NOAA Operations Center that's here located at Lakeland Airport and, and its functions. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure, Carl. I'd love to. Um, NOAA, as you mentioned, is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. And the NOAA Corps is an active duty component that is in charge of running the ships and the aircraft for NOAA's missions. Uh, so right here in Lakeland, we have the NOAA Aircraft Operations Center. Uh, we currently operate 10 aircraft um, right here on a Lakeland Linder. Wow. We normally have nine, but right now we're actually in the process of replacing our jet prop aircraft with our King Air. Uh, we do a variety of missions, but we're mostly known for our hurricane hunting mission. And as I'm sure many people, especially those that live here in Florida, are aware, hurricane season starts <laughs> in 46 days. Yeah. So we are oh. gearing up for a busy season. We're very excited about that. What? We're excited about it, but in a different way. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's a, what's great is it, it's an ability to actually track storms. That I, I think what we do here in the U.S., maybe there is some worldwide, but it's amazing that we can do this. We have this technology. And I can sit in front of my TV and know which way it's going and know when I need to evacuate. Absolutely. And that is one of our main missions of is actually improving that forecast. So we have three aircraft that are considered the Hurricane Hunting Aircraft. We've got the Gulfstream 4, which is what I fly. Uh, it is a high-altitude research jet, only one of its kind, and our mission is surveillance. So we are flying on ahead of the storm's forecasted position and around the storm itself, the whole time collecting just a ton of data, radar data, um, drops on data. Those are the instruments we actually drop from the plane. So we drop these instruments from 45,000 feet 
They travel all the way down to the ocean surface, all the while collecting data, sending it back to the plane where we've got a team that's quality checking it and then sending it on to the National Hurricane Center so they can get ingested in the models. Um, then we have two P3 aircraft. Those are the big four-engine ones. You're going to see them where they were out training this week, so anybody here at Sun and Fun will probably see it taxi by. Uh, you might, if you get lucky, even look out today, see a low pass. Um, but those are the ones that actually go right into the storm, into the heart of it, and get all of that essential data to improve the forecast. I, I'm the one of the well, – I, I love flying. I don't know if I've ever been above 2,000 feet, though, because <laughs> I just really love uh, flying near the corn. And what, what I'm wondering, just because you've had experiences that I haven't had, uh, and most people haven't, are there phenomena, invisible phenomena that's out there that at some level when you're flying in and around something as predictable as, let's say, a hurricane can be? Are there those unknowns? the unpredictable little things that happen that even surprise you where you learn all through the years you've been doing this? Sure. There's certainly, certainly things that I've seen from 45,000. I mean, if you want to see a good sunset, get up to 45,000 feet. It's pretty cool. Um, you can actually see the curvature of the Earth. Newsflash, the Earth is round. Um, it's pretty cool to see. Also, when we're flying, you know, our missions are eight to nine hours. Um, so a lot of times we'll see the sunrise or sunset, and it's really interesting up there where you'll have – you look out your left side, it's, it's perfectly sunny, and you look at your right side, and you can actually see the line of darkness. So you get in that line of night. Uh, one really cool thing from last hurricane season, which, um, as you might know, was unprecedented, a record-breaking season with the number of storms we had. Um, over one of those storms, I actually saw what's called sprites, and that's lightning that's coming up from the top of the clouds. Wow. Um, and it's very indicative of very strong thunderstorms. So that was really cool for me as a meteorologist and a pilot to see. Right. We're speaking with Commander Rebecca Waddington from the NOAA Corps, and every day at 11.05 we have the Women Shine, Women in Aviation. And, uh, you know, you really are a testament to the, the Women in Aviation organization, and also you, you're an ambassador to, to women. And one of the things I think is so important is to have people like you, so other people that, that look like you and, and are in the same situation, the same background, can be inspired by what you're doing right now. And that's one of the reasons we're here today. We're, we're going to talk about women in aviation, but also in the NOAA Corps. A lot of people don't realize the amount of women that are there, and we are getting more women involved. So speak to us in the numbers of, of females that are there and what you folks are doing as far as outreach. Absolutely. Um, you're totally right with women in aviation. We're out there. We're trying to get more people interested and just let them know that this is something that they can do. Um, Industry-wide, females mm -hmm. in aviation is still very much a minority. Uh, back in 2018, I was part of the first all-female hurricane hunting flight crew. It was myself and Captain Christy Twining. Mm. Um, at that time, we had four female active-duty pilots with NOAA. We now have eight, and we've got three more in training and two more women that have been selected for training. So we're really bringing up our numbers awesome. um, in the female side of aviation, which is just fantastic. We also have two flight meteorologists or flight directors that have joined our forces since then. Do, do you have a sense that some of that just came because women – weren't exposed to the opportunity. Had they been, we'd see more, and we would have seen it earlier, too. I think so. A lot of it does come down to exposure. And women in aviation and the events that they hold, like at the Girls in Aviation Day, are great opportunities to get that message out, especially to the young girls as they're just in their formative stages trying to decide what they want to do, letting them know that these opportunities are there and they can do it. Uh, we were fortunate to join uh, the Girls in Aviation Day 
two years ago, and there was this little girl there. She's probably around here somewhere, so shout out to Marina. She was amazing. Um, she came up to us and told us, you guys are my heroes. I want to work for NOAA. I want to fly Gonzo. She was very specific, and Gonzo is the nickname of the aircraft I fly. Um, so it was very cool to see that she was just so inspired and so energetic about it. It's so amazing to have an ambassador like yourself to, to those young ladies out there that want to get into aviation, young girls. Uh, you talked about that Girls in Aviation Day. Uh, th- she's inspired. There's so many other people that are inspired just by looking at you saying, hey, I can do that. That I, can, I think I can do that. So what happens next? I mean, how, do, how do we get them involved? There's this Girls in Aviation Day. What happens there? Well, there's so much. And the Girls in Aviation Day, they had a panel. That's what I was part of, of just women from different parts of the industry out there talking to the girls about what they do because there's so many facets of aviation you don't have to be a pilot you could be an engineer you could be a meteorologist you can do so many different things in aviation whether you're female or male and i think it's it's great that the girls aviation day bring these girls out and just show them the opportunities walk them around here at sun and fun um, and just let them know how cool it is and anybody, I'm glad you brought that up. There's uh, both females and males. There's everybody can get involved in women in aviation. I'm a, I'm a member. Um, I'm here in the local yeah, chapter, exactly. And we do so much. And there's actually quite a few males that are involved. It's people that want to see everybody get involved in aviation and want to help people move forward. But the great thing about to, for me, the great thing about women in aviation is, if I'm with a young lady, if I'm a young girl, I, you know, I'm a male, an old male. I can say, hey, look. Look at here. She's done it. Mm-hmm. I can point to somebody who's done it. And we're seeing more of that. And that's what's absolutely terrific. I'm very hopeful. We truly are tipping the scale. People like yourself and other people that are great examples. I mean, I, hopefully you feel the same. I do, yes. And, and the, way to, the way to find out more, by the way, we have to shout out to Women in Aviation, WAI.org. And uh, normally we have, uh, uh, well, the, the founder who actually retired a couple of years ago. What's amazing is this legacy she's left. And, and has been able to keep this organization going forward. And you, you mentioned tip the scale. I, I, I'd rather just get it over with and get it behind us. So whoever wants to do whatever you want to do, you can become that. Yeah, 100%. My goal is to make it so it's no longer a news story when a woman does something exactly. in aviation. So I think, I think something that's really important to mention is giving that example. You know, and I, I saw that you know, I come from an immigrant family and, uh, you know, no way could we do anything that included a white-collar job, you know, and now I'm, I'm an airline pilot, you know. And, and, and doing things that are just, you know, we thought about those jobs that were pretty much manual labor, and that's what our family did when we came over here. But then we found an example like you. And then we said, hey, if she can do it, and she's like me, I can do it. And I think that's so incredibly important, and what you're doing is, is absolutely phenomenal. Getting back to Noah. We love having you guys here. I mean, I'm from Lakeland. I live here at the end of the runway. I get to watch you guys do your touch and goes, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it, I, would, I would love to know more about the, the hurricane. I know you're flying a, the, the Gulfstream, but the hurricane hunter, it, they come out here quite often and do these patterns. What, what are they doing when they're, when they're out there? Maybe you do it in the Gulfstream also. What, what is it you guys do? Do you train? Mostly training, Is yes. that what they're doing? Um, okay. So hurricane season, of course, is June 1st to November 30th, and we're focused solely on hurricanes during that part for our heavy aircraft. Now, as I mentioned, we operate 10 aircraft right now. Many of our light aircraft are actually deployed all around the country doing various missions, anything from 
surveying the whales, mapping the coastline, checking mm. out the snowpack to go into flood surveys. I mean, we are busy year-round. Um, even our Hurricane Hunter aircraft do winter missions. So if we're not out on mission, we are constantly training, preparing our pilots to be ready for any mission, whether it's hurricanes or something else. Thanks. Thanks for being with us today. Really yeah. interesting. People need to know that there's another side. Some people don't even know what NOA, what it stands for. So That's true. why don't you just go slow? <laughs> National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. They almost see that when they buy a new radio, it's there on a band. There <laughs> yes, for the NOAA Weather Radio. No, so it's, a lot of us know <laughs> that side of it, but this is a new side for most. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Coming up next on the deck here is uh, a friend of the show here. It's Rodney from TallyHo.Arrow. Rodney, hey, man. Uh, welcome to the deck. And here at Sun and Fun Radio, I do love the mask. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Uh, having a nine-month-old daughter and uh, trying to navigate my way through the pandemic with having to wear a mask, she gets freaked out with the uh, standard ones. So you got a mask for radio. And so, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So everybody that's watching on, on uh, Sun and Fun Radio right now, this is uh, looks like a kind of a chipmunk, I guess it is. Yeah. Uh, being from Texas, we have Bucky. So uh, ah. it, it's, a, it's a little Bucky the Beaver smile. <laughs> well, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Tally Ho app. Uh, this is a really interesting app that, that helps us become more efficient in many ways. So tell us a little bit about it. So Tally Ho Apps, it's a new app that hit the market last year. What it does is it connects aircraft owners and, uh, and operators directly to service providers. So let's say you're out flying around and uh, you're, you land somewhere that you're either A, not familiar with, or B, you don't know much about it. Uh, you can uh, pull up the Tally Ho app. It'll pull up all the providers around you, whether they do maintenance, detailing, catering, you name it, it's on there. Even when you're ready to buy your next aircraft and upgrade it, you can find the right person to help you buy it. You can find the person to help you insure it, uh, insure it finance it. And even best of all, uh, you know, uh, there's also a way to contact me so I can help you fly it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, how do you come up with the name? So uh, back in uh, about the World War II era, uh, you know, when ATC would say, hey, you've got traffic to your 6 o'clock, you've got traffic, uh, you know, they, they uh, tell it out to you. It was common vernacular to uh, say tally-ho. So we're kind of uh, picking up on that and saying, hey, you know, you could spot your aircraft services on tally-ho. Are you the originator? So I am actually not. It's my founder CEO, but I've known him way before he even thought about the app. I took care of his forty-year-old. So before he was any, when he was nothing, exactly. You knew him. <laughs> yeah, when he was just a, so our CEO and founder. That's uh, his name is Byron uh, Severson. His, uh, his day job is uh, he's a, a sales director for a uh, large jet company. I'm not going to give it away, uh, but um. Uh, it just happens to also have the same name of a bird. It's not an eagle, but it's something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, so he definitely has been in the uh, aviation industry since the Wright brothers. So uh, every time he'd fly around in his own personal aircraft that, uh, that was about as old as the Wright flyer, he needs something maintenance-wise. How does it stay updated? It all, all apps start really great when they launch. How do, you, how do you keep with the updating enough where a person can trust it? So uh, we have a great team. Our account managers are the ones who are always finding the best service providers. We're also listening to uh, our, our end users, the aircraft owners and the operators, and they're telling us who's the best service providers out there as well. So they could send in a name of a great maintenance shop, that, or we could find them through, goodness, uh, just through a, lo- a lot of word of mouth or uh, you know, going through our own network. But then also the service providers are reaching out to us. Everybody... Uh, 
came up with the ideas of having reviews. We do have ratings. A little and bit reviews. of a. I'm not a Yelp mm-hmm. uh, person myself, just that are so political. But I was wondering. I, I do go by reviews. I mean, sometimes one review mm-hmm. can give you a clue to something, and it's not that they're bad mouthing or good. But sometimes you you speak, you keep up, you just pick up on a clue, and it just helps you make a decision. Exactly. So uh, last year, uh, in the midst of the pandemic, there was an article by the Bizarre Blog Voice. And it said that over 78% of people trust ratings and reviews over recommendations from their friends and family. So we saw that, capitalized on it. And uh, everybody who, uh, every service provider on the Tally Hill app, you have the ability to go back and give them a rating and review, whether or not you found them on Tally Hill or not. So as long as you have a Tally Hill account, you can go back and uh, I'll just shout out uh, this one uh, customer out in uh, Houston, uh, Prim Air Detailing. They have over seven reviews on there from customers that uh, all five-star reviews saying how great they are, and they listed the services that they got. So because aircraft owners and operators are the ones who use the app, they're the ones who are leaving the reviews. So you know as a pilot yourself, you could trust them. And, you know, when you think about reviews in general, I want to be able to use a review, mm-hmm. and it's not about bad-mouthing again. It's just how do you say we're wanting to afford the better service the better people, uh, more, more. I would say, make it more lucrative for and rewarding the good service. Right. It's, it's not. I'm not about being negative. It's just more about uh, how do you say embellishing those that are doing the right job. Definitely, and not uh, not only that. We ha- uh, I definitely reserve the right to uh, investigate reviews. So if we see that there's one shop who's on the app and they're getting multiple bad reviews, we're, we're going to go look at it. And if uh, we find out that these service events are actually happening, we're going to make sure that uh, uh, we could remove them from the app in general. So that way, so the end user, which is the uh, which is us as we fly around, right. we want to make sure that we're sending people to the right and reputable uh, service shops uh, and other service providers across the nation. Can you walk us through an example, say, of I'm, I'm, I land in an airport and then I notice my battery is dead uh, and it's 10 p.m.? Yep. What do I do? So uh, one thing you could do is uh, for, for a situation like that when a lot of the other uh, maintenance shops are closed at, at 10 p.m., if you go directly into the app on your home screen, it'll find you everybody who's around you. Now, if you want to take it a step further, uh, inside the app, uh, there is a subcategory for AOG or MRT. As we all know, those are sometimes our best friends when we're out on the road. So uh, you can search by that, and it'll pull up everybody in its current form. It'll search by distance. So it'll find you the closest person first. And then after that, uh, you could contact them through the app, whether it's going to be a message. You could call them because uh, by one click of a button, you're already talking to them. Or uh, you could even visit the website if you want more information than what they provided on the app. And you can look at the reviews. Yes. And so you say there's three there. You can say, hey, which one of these I'm going to go and, and shop with and talk to afterwards. Exactly. Coming up here uh, in our next update, uh, which we should have relatively here uh, shortly, what's going to happen is you can actually then sort by ratings and reviews. So if uh, cool. right now it's organically searching by location and sorting by, that way. But uh, as we get more and more AV, uh, service providing shops in one area, you can search by ratings and reviews. I gotta say, coming down here, I had to make arrangements to rent a car, mm-hmm. and rental car rentals this year were like three times higher mm-hmm. than they've ever been. Wow! And and but you know as well as I do, when you go on the internet, you're, and you're there, you are. Right. You know, you know, Carl, you're looking for that battery guy. But when you go, rental cars are thousands, and it, you, <laughs> you you get blown away by that too. Mm-hmm. So with regard to this app, how do you how can you cultivate that without you being the 
arbiter of it. Right. So uh, basically what happens is uh, I'll even use your uh, rental car example, too. As we all know, especially on the GA side of things, you, uh, you could land out of a bunch of different airports and uh, and only realize that either, A, you're limited onto the rental cars you can have or uh, the ground transportation. So uh, when you're inside the app, uh, it, 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 like if you use uh, uh, Dallas Left Field, for example, I'm going to use Texas references since I'm from Texas here. So if you go to Dallas Left Field and you click on ground transportation, you can see other, uh, uh, you can see all, all the service providers who are there too, and they're close by. But you can follow the ratings and reviews because we even do have uh, some uh, ground transportation partners. If you guys really have guts, mm-hmm. I would have an in-app review where people can review you on your app. And I think that would be really good just to review some general apps saying, this app, this app is really doing, it's really doing it for me. It's really been a, a, a dependable. Yeah, definitely. So uh, all across our social media, you, you can definitely uh, jump on there and talk about it that way. But then also in the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store, you could go back and give Vitaly Ho a five-star review. <laughs> there you go. Uh, th- th- no, th- th- I love th- th- that. That's what we're here for as well. Uh, you can help other aviators spot their services through Tally Ho. Oh, that's great. And Rodney, where you're here at Sun and Fun, uh, and you're an exhibitor. Where can I find you? You can find me over in this uh, by the food court. Uh, our booth is Southwest Twenty Six. Uh, so if you go all the way uh, uh, pat, uh, by the Pilot Mall, uh, you can find us over there. We're, we're uh, behind the hangars, and uh, we're next to Oasis and uh, and some other uh, great uh, food options out there too. Tallyho.aero. You can find them online if you're listening on liveatc.net/snf. Any specials? Uh, well, right now, uh, so the app is actually free to download for uh, for aviation uh, pilots and for basically anybody. So anybody could download the app for free and use it for okay. free. But here's the cool thing: where uh, if you sign up uh, on the uh, in the Tally Ho app, all it requires is an email address and, and your name, and uh, and then you can tell us a little bit about yourself too. Uh, like if you fly jets or turboprops or pistons, um, you tell us a little bit about yourself on there, and we're gonna—you'll uh, be entered into one a two hundred and fifty dollars Amazon gift card we're giving away at the end of the week. Interesting. Good job. Good awesome. job. Awesome cost. So it's uh, it, like I said, it's free for the end user for the. Uh, uh, for the uh, service providers, for them, it's pay to play. With that being said, we're running some Sun and Fun promotions right now, uh, where uh, you're going to be getting about seventy five percent off the uh, total cost. So uh, if they come talk to us or reach us or reach us uh, reach out to us on the website, um, uh, we'll definitely talk with you and make you a deal that works specifically for your operation. Thanks, Rodney, for coming here today, and you're listening at liveatc.net/snf. Check out their app. Check out their website, tallyho.arrow. Thanks again, Ronnie. Thank you. Have a good one. Enjoy the show, guys. You too. Welcome back to Sun and Fun Radio. I'm joined with David Colaba. Hey, David. Man, this is a lot of fun. Nice to see you, Carl. This is awesome. We've been standing across from each other all day. I know. Everybody's wearing orange this year. Yeah, why is that? It's it. We stand out. It's so people can see us well on the radio. I got it. I, I some guy came up and asked me where he should park his car. I earlier, so I don't know what to say. You know, this is one of my favorite parts of the show. One of the organizations I absolutely love and does so much for our pilots, both from when they get started to supporting them throughout their careers. Amen. And uh, and that's AOPA. And we're Amen. at lunch with AOPA. And uh, joining me today is. Uh, Mr. Hedges, hey, how you doing there, Steve? I'm doing great, Carl. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. And somebody that we, uh, I don't think we've had on yet is uh, Steve Cooper. Hey, 
Hey, Welcome. how's it going? And, yeah, good to be here. And you are actually the person that uh, in charge, I think, of regulatory affairs. Is that correct? Well, not in charge. I'm definitely part of a team part of okay. and uh, still there, but definitely uh, one of the, the people that uh, does a lot of things, uh, really great things with the regulatory. So if you don't mind me asking, I, a lot of people don't understand what that is. Because uh, So could you explain what, what regulatory affairs is at AOP? Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. <laughs> Absolutely. So in our government affairs uh, side, we handle a lot of things from legislative side on Congress and on the Hill, but also with the FAA mm-hmm. and we know that what the FAA does all the part you know for title 14 all the regulations all that's coming from the FAA that's all the regulatory affairs issues that we deal with on a daily basis and that's where I'm tied in so can you give us an example maybe of something lately that would be an example of what you do yeah absolutely well you know, it's great to be out here and see everyone out here, but we know in the past year, right, COVID-19 has been yeah. a huge impact for everyone, and especially on the aviation side. And because of COVID-19 with the restrictions, things of that sort, it was really difficult for a lot of pilots to get recurrent, get their medicals renewed, just all those real big carbs that we have to do every 90 days or every so often. So because of that, AOPA really saw the need to make sure that pods could remain current, could remain safe, still maintain to be able to go fly, even in the middle, uh, you know, as the pandemic is going through in this past year. So we worked with the FAA, we worked with our industry colleagues to get what was uh, the special FAR, the SFAR that came out last year. And that provided relief, regulatory relief for pilots to have extensions on their medicals, uh, pilots that may have uh, felt uncomfortable about going to a physician, their AME, to right. get medical uh, procedures done. So that was a huge thing from a regulatory side that we really brought in here recently in the past year. And hopefully as things have been opening up, we can get back out and use uh, the tools and the regulations that we uh, currently have now. There's so much that's changing. I mean, look at March 31st, that new, uh, all the new uh, guidance that the FAA has given, uh, especially for AMEs, as far as COVID, if you've been actually diagnosed and that type of thing. Right. Uh, what are you guys doing as far as that's concerned? I'm just curious. So, uh, yeah, so we are tied in with that in the sense of uh, knowing, uh, having the input on that. Um, we were happy with what Absolutely. Uh, Air Medical had put out in terms of, hey, a lot of people may have had this, and if we know that you didn't have serious uh, issues or concerns, hey, we, we'll let you fly again. But certainly if you had some more significant issues, then they will look at that and... Um, be able to review that so yeah. we were happy with that i've read that a lot i mean i've been reading that over and over especially if you've been hospitalized you need to uh, i would reach out to aop first yeah. talk to them and hopefully there'll be a lot more coming on the website that's for sure aopa does a lot as far as advocacy that is for sure so and that's kind of what we're talking about here today pretty much is is advocacy and that's something that our our dollars go to is that advocacy uh, and there's so, if, as far as I think it's really cheap to, or let, uh, there's a great value, I should say, in, in your membership at AOPA. And, and having folks like you with so much expertise in the government affairs really helps a lot. In this, in this outreach program, I've, I've heard about these programs where there's people that are specifically involved in airports because they have so much knowledge. Um, maybe you could tell, tell us a little bit about that as far as, uh, you know, this, this support network they have and, and, Help me out here as far as what I'm trying to say. As far as airport support network. Thank you. <laughs> you got it right. That's right. Um, we have 1,800 volunteers at airport, public use airports, and we rely on our volunteers to tell us when something's going wrong. You know, hey, they want to close our crosswind runway. Hey, somebody wants to build homes next to, to our airport, and they're going to complain about noise in six months. Uh, this is inappropriate. So when our volunteers call us and let us know there's a problem, then we can get on the problem. And if we earlier we can get on it, the better. So, um, 
It's a very successful program. We've saved a lot of airports this way. We, it, the fact of the matter is, a lot of airports are run by cities and counties, and there's an airport commission, and the commissioners don't really understand aviation. They don't understand their airport. They don't understand the benefits the airport brings to the community as far as revenue, jobs. To them, it's just that field out on the edge of town. That looks like it could be a great place for townhomes or an apartment complex. Right. So, um, you know, the airports are getting developed quite a bit these days uh, with, with Amazon fulfillment. Film, Amazon has a fulfillment center on Opalaka, one building here. Right here. <laughs> so, uh, and there's all kinds of uh, Boca Raton, a furniture store is about to put a building in Boca Raton's airport. So it's, it's a problem. And, you know, this commerce isn't a problem. We're all for airports doing well, but we want to make sure that they remain, um, uh, you know, usable for pilots. So, you know, one of the things, you mentioned Amazon and fulfillment. Uh, I, and I, I'm sure you've heard all the complaints that's been, maybe you have that's happening here with that the aircraft that are that are flying out of here and flying over homes, et cetera. It's expanding. Um, there's somebody on the ground though that can help communicate uh, what is happening and also what people can do locally if they have a concern about the noise. Is is there somebody say for instance here in Lakeland because they have this new uh, project going on that someone can reach out to? Uh, we don't have a volunteer in Lakeland, Carl. I was going to talk to you about that afterwards. Oh, boy. I just volunteered, didn't I? <laughs> I, might, I might rope you into that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, um, I might do it. Gosh. Well, it's, uh, you know what? So it's, how do I find out more if I'm somebody who's at an airport, who's an advocate for an airport? How do I get involved? And, and, and quite honestly, that's the reason I brought it up, because there's two groups right here. There's the, there's the airport, and then there's the, the people that own homes around here, and there, it seems like there's, there's nobody in between right, right now. The homeowners are an important... You know, at some airports, the homeowners don't have any problem with aircraft noise, and they like the airport. Other airports, they're just annoyed. Right. And, um, you know, the, con- the complaints are co- constant. So uh, we like to talk to those people, and, and you know, we, there's ways to get around that. You know, if you've got a very active flight school at your airport, you can change the pattern a little bit. Or go do your training in a training area and come back. Or go do your pattern work at another airport, then come back to your airport. So there, there are ways to fix these problems and to, and to make things better. I, and I'd it, like to ask you about something that's happened. Every so often, these things get so noisy here. So I, I want to report that the noise of the jets. <laughs> well, Carl said we could report it. So because they they interrupt interview after interview here. But we Especially like that aircraft jets. noise. That's a little different. <laughs> that's the sound of freedom. That is the sound of freedom. <laughs> But, you know, you know, quite seriously, that is a battle that's going on here in Lakeland. And uh, um, unfortunately, I, I'm actually one of those people who lives under the, the uh, departure uh, of the new <laughs> jets. And uh, it is quite loud for us. And uh, there is a large group in my neighborhood that's, uh, that's doing a lot. But I wish there was somebody else that could help educate them on a local basis. Besides the airport, you also need advocates here. Because they don't really complain too much about the small planes, but they have to understand the difference between the two. And the ramifications of different regulations that are put into place because of the bigger airplanes can also hit sure. the general well, aviation community. Carl, I look forward to working on that with you. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I totally wrote myself into something. I didn't want, well, no, it's, it's something I'd love to get involved with. We will definitely talk more about this okay. offline. Uh, but, uh, but uh, Chris, we definitely have to get back to you because there's a couple things we've, we've got to get, uh, uh, we have to talk about here. Different advocacy we talked about before. How about the designated pilot examiners? We need to get, uh, go over that before we close here today. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks for that question. Uh, we, AOPA, we've been working here the last uh, few years tirelessly about making sure applicants, um, all from uh, seaplane, private pilot, commercial, 
to have access availability to DPEs across the country. What we've noticed that in certain areas, it can be difficult to get access to a designee uh, in a timely fashion. So in the last few years, AOP has been involved with the uh, Aviation Rulemaking Advisory Committee on their DPE reform working group. We've been on that. Our recommendations are going to be coming out here in the next few months for that to help improve the process and the availability of D DPEs. And also AOP has just recently set up, stood up our AOPA DPE advisory board where we brought in uh, five uh, uh, well-experienced uh, DPEs to be able to provide AOPA some of that knowledge experience, what's really going out in the world of designees, where, can, where are those pain points, and where can AOPA uh, help uh, provide that advocacy with the FAA, again, to improve the designee process uh, for applicants uh, here in the U.S. And this is something that's regional specific, right? Or is it, is it all throughout? What are you, what are you yeah, saying? It's, so, yeah, it's a really good question. So it's, it's difficult because uh, seaplanes, for example, is uh -huh. a really good example is that an applicant may not need, isn't going to be necessarily be flying seaplanes in the north you know, right. during the wintertime, right? It's going to be down the south. So we need to make sure that designees are where they need to be throughout the year. Same thing during the summertime, northern Minnesota, for example, Alaska. Is the, has the FAA properly deployed designees in areas to be able to meet that demand? I had no idea, to be honest with you, that you had this. And I, I'm so glad that now I have this knowledge. This is why we talk today. Absolutely. And, and why you should go visit the AOPA tent show center here right outside Sun and Fun Radio. Because uh, there, you guys do so much. And believe me, I'm an active member in AOPA, and I didn't realize that. So something that I, I think is really important is to be able to have more pilots in the world of aviation, the only way they can become pilots is through be, being with an examiner at some point. Uh, there is a bit of a, a, a challenge. Yeah. And, uh, and they, it goes in seasons, too, sometimes. It does, absolutely. It's geographic, right? I mean, there are just some places much more demand where flight training is more heavily concentrated. So we know that, and we want to work with the FAA. We want to work with designees to be able to provide that. Uh, and, Carl, the, the shortage of uh, examiners has driven the price of a check ride up. Oh, yeah. Like some of them, $500, $600 a check ride. And if you're busted on it, you have to pay the same rate again. Mm -hmm. And not just go back and do the portion you were busted on. And for a reduced, you'd think they'd kind of cut you a break, but it's not really the way it's working, and that's concerning to us too. So we're all about keeping the cost of flying low. As, as far as just coverage in general, um, the rural areas have to put up with less and the more congested is what it is. My question is, though, irrespective of population, why is it that certain states or certain counties within a state seem to be better supported than other areas of the country or other areas of a state? Yeah, that's a really good question. A lot of factors into that. And one of the issues that we have seen um, from, from our level is because the oversight and the deployment of designees occur at the local level, at the FISDO level, they have a lot of flexibility on how they deploy and how many they want to mm -hmm. or are able to oversee. Mm -hmm. And we're really working with, can we have some sort of national oversight to be able to see, have a bigger picture of where really the, the pinch points are, the challenges, where are the shortages at? Again, to address those rural areas, right? Uh, for those issues. Do you, do you have a sense that that's also consistent with the same kind of saturation that's equal to 
a population of, of pilots in that area? Meaning, in other words, where representation is better, where you've got more people thrusting in that, you know, in their efforts to fly? Uh, from from data and numbers that, that I have seen, that generally is the case, right? Like yeah. Scottsdale and Prescott, right? Florida, yeah. parts of Texas. Just, yeah. That, the that Sunshine States well. are, there's more examiners in the Sunshine States than anywhere else, but. It just seems like this area is so rich, mm. you know, with, with aviation. Well, guys, I really appreciate you coming out here for lunch with AOPA. This has been awesome. There's so much more I Thanks. wish we could talk yeah. about. We do have to go to a break here now. But you can find out more at AOPA.org. Uh, and, and it's been great meeting you. It's good to see somebody, some of the new faces, fresh faces, that are, good to be are really involved in advocacy, and we have to talk some more about that. Right. Joining us today, we're going to talk a little bit about judging and uh, aircraft judging on the deck here with us is uh, Dale still. I mean, Dale, you, we've actually talked quite a bit, and I think you do a great job as far as judging is concerned. I've learned a lot about judging over the years, and it still, to me, seems a little bit like magic. I mean, it really is incredible how much uh, judges, the, the knowledge that they have on an aircraft, uh, and I've always thought that was one of the most difficult things to do, to be able to figure out you know, what's, a, what's on an aircraft, what's an original part, you know, that type of thing, and, and understanding what you're looking for. Uh, I just look at a plane and say, that looks cool. Welcome. Thank you. And uh, also joining us today is uh, David Wetmore. That's right. And, and uh, we really appreciate you coming here today. We're going to actually have uh, Dale tell us, tell us first of all about the judging, what's gone on in the past, and also some, a new announcement this year. So I'll let, I'll let you do that part. Well, judging of the aircraft will continue as it has in the past. Um, <clears throat> we have talked earlier about the fact that we use the EAA judging standard and that the um, airplanes that we judge and the winners can then take our criteria and take that to Oshkosh to continue having their airplanes judged and their workmanship critiqued. Mm -hmm. So how do you get into this? I mean, how, you know, like I said, I mean, I can sit here and talk forever about aircraft judging and understanding aircraft. I mean, you have this incredible knowledge. Where do you get that from? You have to love airplanes. If you love airplanes, you will seek the knowledge. Yeah. Awesome. And you don't have to be a mechanic. No, you do it, not. I'm not an A&P myself. Right. But you've been judging for a few years, haven't you? I've been judging for a number of years because I am an amateur aviation historian, and I'm an amateur airplane restorer. Yeah. And he says amateur, but he definitely is a wealth of knowledge. Like I said, I've learned so much uh, about judging, etc. Um, what are some of the, you know, I have some friends out here that have aircraft, and, and uh, I was just curious, uh, so I can speak a little more intelligently to them, what are some of the procedures that you go through when you're, when you're judging my friend's airplane? As I said, we use the EAA judging standard. It's a form that is available for download to EAA members, and most people that have their aircraft judged. You have to be an EAA member to start with. Gotcha. But it has the standard, and we judge the airplanes through that standard, a printed standard, and not to other individual airplanes. So that is the the uh, the critique. That is the golden tablet. Gotcha. How does that compare? What's the difference uh, if you were generalistically going to differentiate between well, the EAA standard versus one that they might be more familiar with? Well, I don't know of any other standard okay, that there that's might what I was be. Asking. That's no, why it's I was an asking. interesting question, but I don't there's Carl's standard, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, the, the other opportunity would be if you were only judged against the planes that were on the field for any one particular year. You know, it's entirely Got possible it. that something that wasn't really worthy would get through. 
Now, while we're on that subject, we have the ability, because Silent Fun is not those other guys, is that we have the ability to create categories and to create a critique of our own for certain situations to take care of persons or person or persons who have done something that is exemplary that is not within the normal categories. And we may see some of that this year. What what would be like an example of that? Do you have like a, a well, um, you know, a number of years ago, I rem- at here when we had the tornado, right. okay, there was a kit fox that was here that was built by a Boy Scout troop. It was unfortunately destroyed, but that aircraft was even though it was a kit fox, and I don't want to put the kit fox down. I don't want them to come running up here and start beating me <laughs> on the head. But it was a kit fox, and from a kit, but it was built by Boy Scouts, twelve to fifteen years of age. And it was a wonderful effort, only to be destroyed in that freak tornado that we had. But we recognized them with special awards Mm. for their efforts. And that's uh, hats off to you guys for doing that, by the way. Uh, That's awesome because they put they put so much effort into that. That was so sad to see that happen. But they rebuilt and went forward from there. Yes. Was that something that you may have looked at uh, upon examination prior, obviously before the uh, tornado? You knew about it. We. now you're asking me to do something that involves my memory. <laughs> every, the beginning for every judging effort, regardless of who is responsible for building the aircraft, it has to simply be entered. It has to be registered. And we don't go out to register airplanes either for or against the owner's will. They have to come to us for a registration. We encourage it, and that's what we're doing now. Encourage registering your aircraft, even if you don't think that it is show quality. We encourage you register. Yeah. You know, we've, you've been around as a chairman for quite some time here, and uh, uh, synonymous with judging is, is, is Dale here. Um, but there's something that we're going to announce this year, or I th- I'm going to say you're going to announce this year, a bit of a changing of the guard. Yes, just a little bit. Those of you who are listening to me struggle to speak. I experienced a, I had a stroke. One and a half years ago. Oh, boy. And prior to that, I had made the decision that the office of chief judge here deserved someone who, well, actually was better than I am and needed to be local and better than I am and be able to give to the office of chief judge and to the judging corps a new blood to carry on. I don't live anywhere close, and it really needed somebody close. So I have managed to make that decision to pass the torch to a man that fulfills those requirements and exceeds them. And in the meantime, I had the unfortunate occasion to have a life-altering stroke, and I'm no longer physically capable of fulfilling the duties. So I would like to take this opportunity. It gives me great pleasure to introduce to you Mr. David Wetmore. Well, guys, I appreciate that. We appreciate everything you've done and over the years. Uh, it's going to be some big shoes to fill, David, that's for sure. Amen. And, uh, and so, so tell us a little bit about yourself. He says you're local here, and how did you get involved in the judging? Well, about uh, 10 years ago, uh, I knew one of the judges here, and he knew my background that I had rebuilt airplanes and worked on airplanes and and I, like Dale, I am not a licensed mechanic, but, you know, there's ways to work on airplanes that doesn't require a license. You use somebody else's. And that's what we did. And we rebuilt several airplanes. And this judge said, you know, you ought, to, you ought to fill out a sheet and see if you can't become a judge. So I did. And then 
along came some time and marching along, and I also became a, uh, a uh, leader of one of the groups, a seaplane, and uh, become the, the chairman for the seaplane, co-chairman. And then uh, uh, Dale came to me about, uh, about two years ago, and he asked me, you know, down the road, would you be interested in becoming chief judge? And lo and behold, here we are. And I'm excited about it. The 50 judges are excited about it. And we've got, um, uh, we're on track for about 100 airplanes being judged this year. Well, uh, 100 airplanes. 100 airplanes this year? I think that's where we're going to end up, just right at 100. Awesome. And, uh, you know, it's interesting seeing all the planes come in. It seems like there's more than there were at this time two years ago. That is accurate. We are ecstatic. You see the number of aircraft that are arriving. Um, It has been on a general decline the last few years, but this year we are overjoyed and ecstatic to see the number of airplanes that have come in this year and the number of people that are walking the street right outside the studio here uh, is very heartwarming. Yeah, oh, it's amazing, and it's it's inspirational, actually, to see it happen. I mean, I didn't think this was going to happen for a while, and uh, I'm I'm so excited. To, to have mm-hmm. this happen here today. Uh, as far as Bajagan's concerned, you're here locally, uh, and uh, you're on the campus. So there's a place they can find you. Where can we actually find you if you're a judge? The Judge's Hut and, and headquarters is over by Vintage Aircraft in that area. And that uh, that's where you can find us. However, if you need to register an airplane, there are locations where you register around the field, and that's where you'd also register to have an airplane judged. Just a quick question. Is, are there airplanes that are harder to judge just because of the construct of the airplane? I would say that the older the aircraft is, once you're into the antique category, now even though we are antique judges, there, yeah. are, okay. uh, much, there is much, much less documentation. <laughs> okay. Well, guys, I appreciate you guys coming out yeah, here. First of all, David, uh, welcome. And, Dale, we're really going to miss you as a judge, that's but I great. hope you're going to still be around and hang out. Like a bad penny. <laughs> Dale's going to be around. <laughs> We've been talking. I guarantee it. <laughs> that's great. Thanks, guys. Talking to the judges here at Sun and Fun, and uh, you can find them over the next to the vintage parking there. Uh, we're going to go to a break, but uh, don't forget to still keep listening at liveatc.net slash SNF. We'll be right back. Well, folks, welcome back to the deck here, Sun and Fun Radio, and you're listening on liveatc.net slash SNF, and also 15.10 a.m. If you know what an a.m. radio is, uh, we have someone here across from me who's old enough to understand what that is. It's David Kolbaba. Hey, hey, David, welcome back to the deck. <laughs> David's a, a good friend of mine. I can, I can joke around with him a lot yes, like that. Yes, he, he's in much better shape than me, though. Well, it's so funny. Earlier, you were making fun of one of our guests, like you normally do, and you talked about how the shading of the colors of your hair had changed. And somehow, I was just sitting over there, and I took offense to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, it looks good, though. That's for sure, right, David. Right, yeah. great, great face for radio. Well, you know, David, I know you're an aircraft owner, and uh, you've rented, et cetera, over the years. Uh, one of the challenges I've never had is uh, finding an airplane. I mean, it seems like every time I come to Sun and Fun, I buy one. Uh, and, and so I'm staying away from the aircraft, but I'm getting really excited because yesterday I walked around. Uh, there has been a challenge lately, though, finding aircraft that are uh, a good price, a good value. Uh, I'm having so much trouble finding for a friend of mine, a 172, that's affordable. Uh, and actually has instruments in the aircraft yeah. and that runs and also Piper Cherokees. 
you know, we have somebody today that's going to help us out with that. And, uh, and that's somebody here with Airplane IQ, airplaneiq.com. That's Stephen King, Steve King, who's the CEO of the. Uh, wait, excuse me. Did you just say Stephen King? I did. did. Did you hear that? I was hoping <laughs> I, I, asked, I asked Steve, I said, Are you an author? He said, Well, day's not over yet. Day's, <laughs> day's not, not over yet. <laughs> well, and, and we're going to talk about the horror stories of trying to find an aircraft ah. that, uh, that is affordable. Uh, I, and like I said, I, I've been talking to, I'm over here in the building, in the round building, we've been talking about trying to acquire aircraft for the flight schools and for friends. It, it, it's tough out there, man. It really is. It's, um, you know, we've seen a complete shift really in the last six to seven months. Uh, you know, a year ago, you could buy anything you really wanted to. Uh, but nowadays, it's, um, it's really tough. You know, people are starting to travel more. I mean, look, you can see a great turnout here. Uh, people are interested. They're buying equipment. They're looking for airplanes. Wow. Um, it's really had a, a severe um, shrinkage in the market of, of good available aircraft for a reasonable price. Well, how do you explain that? Well, you know, I think it's, a, it's a, become more of a lifestyle issue. Um, people are starting to say, you know what, I'm tired of being locked up. I'm tired of being uh, told that I can't go somewhere, I can't do this. Uh, what can I do in, a, in an environment that I can control? I can fly my airplane. I can go back and forth Absolutely. to my house. Um, I don't have to be reliant on commercial airlines. Um, it just opens up a lot more accessibility where when people were normally on the fence that they would say, oh, I'm going to fly commercially on Southwest, now their wives are saying, uh, honey, we're going to take the airplane. So I think that there's a couple of different drivers that are really pushing that, um, and a lot of it has been driven by this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things that you don't realize is the freedom of just jumping in a small plane and flying around. Uh, and now that I'm between planes, I got rid of it right before the pandemic, and now I'm like, oh, that was a bad timing, wasn't it? I was going to ask you, are you noticing what Steve said, Carl, in your oh, search? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, it, it's... Uh, uh, it's, it amazes me what you can't, what you're finding, and what people are asking for, and I'm just—it's sticker shock. It's kind of like with, with, it's like the homes prices, mm-hmm. but it's on steroids. It seems to me. Well, part of the problem is, is, is you know, as you know, if you sell your airplane. What's the first thought that's going through your mind? What am What's I going to replace one? it with? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and really, that's driving a lot of the um, uh, the issue relative to pricing is, is people are saying, okay, I'm interested in contemplating selling my airplane. Let me see what I think it's worth. And they get infatuated with this big number that it can be worth. And then they say, okay, well, what am I going to do now? So then they go out and they look, and they look at trade plane, they look at controller, they look at all these different locations, and they say... Wow, I don't know if I can afford that next one that I want right. unless I really leap. So I think that's part of what's you know what's driving this here is 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 people want to sell, uh, but then they're having difficulty in finding a replacement aircraft. Oh, for sure. And and one of the things though is not just a replacement aircraft. You can find one. It's it's the replacement aircraft that's suitable for you and your it's situation. The right aircraft, right. You know, it's it's like an IFR certified one seventy two. What right. is up with that? Right. You know, it's. Uh, it's a challenge. I mean, listen, insurance is uh, is a is a hard market nowadays, um, especially for the uh, the owner flown aircraft. One seventy twos, a very easy airplane. Insurance companies love them. Flight schools love them. More and more people are out working on getting their private pilot's license. So you have these additional factors that are coming into the market that are saying, "Hey, wait a minute, we need more one seventy twos for our flight school," which is a, which is taking away some of the supply. So all of a sudden now you get up to a point where you don't have a big enough supply to calibrate against the the demand, and that's really what drives the market up. So what what do you see right now? I mean, what kind of planes are hot right now? You know. <laughs> 
it, it goes all across the board. Our jet market, um, we do a lot of, uh, of owner-flown uh, light jets, everything from Phenom 300s down to Mustangs, CJs, uh, M2s, Phenom 100s. Uh, that market is exceptionally strong. Um, hmm. We are almost out of inventory. We have more buyers than we have um, good aircraft and hmm. sellers that are not willing to let their airplanes go in any kind of negotiated basis uh, because, again, it goes back to that replacement issue of what are they going to find. So that's the, 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 the private jet side of it. In the piston side, um, again, you've got more and more people that are saying, hey, you know what, the pandemic was a great opportunity for me to go get my pilot's license. Um, and so our pilot community is increasing, which is driving the demand for these LSAs, SLSAs, uh, 172s. We have four buyers that want Cherokee 6180s right now. Um, you know, and that becomes a hard thing to, to what, solve. What do you want, Carl? Absolutely. And, you know, I just want a Cherokee for the, the kids to fly. <laughs> and uh, a Cherokee 6 would be great for the family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for the kids to fly, it's a, definitely a Cherokee is, is something that is just bangs it out of the park. Yeah, I, and then, you, you know, you look a little bit higher up in the piston market. The M350 market is extremely strong. Piper yeah. has just, you know, knocked the cover off the ball with, uh, with a great product. It's a higher-end price point, but... We sold four of them at the end of last year, and now we've got three more buyers that say, go find us airplanes, and we're having a hard time finding the airplanes. Yeah, and, and you're protecting, you know, we have a lot of folks here, uh, a lot of corporations that fly. Those same people are flying personally, and it's protecting the, the person that owns that business and yeah. their family yeah. by, by well, using that. You're right. It really has become, you know, I come from, I'm a reformed investment banking guy for almost 30 years, and um, I used aircraft in my own business, and so that was really the catalyst of me getting into this. I grew up, my dad was a pilot, he can't remember where they had 12 or 13 bonanzas. So I grew up from the time I was about four years old flying in single-engine airplanes. Um, but as we evolve, especially with the pandemic and with health safety and, and safety of key executives and key people uh, running their businesses, um, an aircraft really has become part of that, that key man dependency issue where companies are saying, hey, we're going to let you spend the money so that you can fly privately because we don't want to run the risk of you flying on Southwest with 316 of your closest friends and becoming ill and unable to run the company. So you got your Karnak hat on today, I see. Sometimes. What's going to happen? You know, I, I think that uh, what we're seeing is, is everything is trending on a continual momentum forward. Um, I don't see anything starting to stop this. I mean, listen, we have uh, a president now who's pumped a, just a, an insane amount of money into the economy. Uh, the people that have some funds are increasing their net worth. Um, the market is continuing to grow. You've got crypto. You know, everybody is making money right now. So... I don't foresee any kind of, of change in this metric, at least for the next 24 to 36 months. You may get some people who, um, who have a stumble here and there, but that's far and large um, increased by the number of people that are increasing net worth now. And Carl, with you earlier, you were mentioning all the availabilities of these grants out there. Mm -hmm. So do you have a, the same sense Steve has that aviation in general you have the opportunity to start to fly if you don't and then when you do that there's going to need for for an aircraft absolutely and uh you know we're seeing the shortages in in the airlines that are sucking up the instructors that are are causing demand more people want to get into and, and airlines affect it because a lot of people go into flight training because of that and and it's just it's increasing everything and it's a good thing the problem is is finding those aircraft so what's and, the hardest airplane to find uh, light jets right now. Um, oh. Everything from the Mustangs to uh, um, 
the M350s, um, 172s, there, there's no easy airplane to find, period, right now. What's the easiest one to fly? Uh, the one that has no wings. <laughs> uh, Speaking of jets, can't wait. Air show's coming up shortly. Uh, where can they find you uh, before we close? Uh, we've got two booths at Northeast 14 and 15. Uh, we're right over by Vans, right across from the uh, from the flight line. Happy to have everybody come over. Also on online, they can find you. At AirplaneIQ.com. Thanks, Thanks so much, Steve. Steve. You know, joining us on the deck here is uh, we were about to have an air show, and uh, this is somebody who gets to fly an aircraft that uh, is very popular in air shows. And a whole bunch of fun to fly. Mike Hartman here as an aviator with Waco Aircraft. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Good to see you guys. Good to Hi. see you. Nice to see you, Mike. Nice to see you. All right, Mike, tell us about your building project on your new building now. Our new building, what we've done out there, we're in Battle Creek, <laughs> Michigan. And uh, this is pretty cool. We've quadrupled the size of our footprint up there uh, to make these aircraft making the F5, the Waco YMF5, mm-hmm. the Waco YMF5 on floats. And then we're also making the Great Lakes. Oh, cool. So these are great. So we have, we have made that a huge complex now. And we also put in a restaurant called Waco Kitchen, and it's featuring the Waco Taco. The Waco Taco? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> What's yes. in a Waco Taco? Well, it's, it's, it's healthy, and it's good, and, uh, and we love it up there. So come on up to Battle Creek, Michigan. Check out uh, Waco Kitchen. Check out the factory and all the new people up there. We'd like to have you guys. I have a lot of friends that are barnstormers, and uh, the Waco is one of the planes that they like. Why is that? Uh, you know, it takes you back. You know, it is the golden age of aviation. You know, these are fun airplanes. They're grassroots airplanes. They put you in the environment, and that's what we love about them. Absolutely. And and the other thing, too, is that they always tell me it's a great plane to make some money with if you want to be a barnstormer. Why is that? Exactly. You'll see a lot of F-5s out there that are doing ride hopping, and one of the main reasons is because Wacos are billed as three-seaters, and you can put two people up in the front seat, and you can... Uh, Make twice the money yeah, if you that's want. That's great. To. Exactly. I understood that uh, one of you guys took off with one and didn't come back for a while. Oh, uh, let's see. I don't what was, know. Don't what was know that, that all about? Story. Took off with one, didn't come back. You took off with one of your airplanes and uh, went a fair distance. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Somebody did. Did you do some cross-country barnstorming? Oh, yes. Time? Let's talk about Let's talk a little that. bit about the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, you guys so are going to have to lead me into this one, you know. So. <laughs> we're, we're working. I'll get there sooner or later, folks. Sorry. Okay. So, <laughs> so last year what we did, we wanted to go to some of these air expos and air shows. So we took the airplanes on a cross-country tour. And we had the float plane with us, the YMF-5 land plane in the Great Lakes. And we went from coast to coast. That's from uh, North Palm Beach, Florida. We went all the way out to uh, Santa Ana, California, coast to coast in these airplanes. Wow. Guys, it was an experience. I'll tell you what, it was real barnstorming. We were going across the desert southwest, flying formation. If you guys come by our booth, I believe it's Mike Delta 19, uh, you could see some video of that trip, and and it was great to share these airplanes. Well, being that you didn't remember it, um, <laughs> I'll have to go and watch the film. But uh, you you actually have one of your planes are here, I believe, on floats. Yes, yes. And that's going to be a sight to see, and I haven't seen it yet. Oh, yes. If you guys swing by, you'll see it from a distance. It is a gorgeous airplane. Oh, yeah. We put the YMF-5 on floats. And it's gorgeous. One, one point I'd like to make about these airplanes is we do make them brand new. 
and got a jet in the background there. That's pretty cool. It's off of a 1935 type certificate, and the Great Lakes is a 1929 type certificate, so these are continued wow. production airplanes. That's awesome. That's really now. Well, no, we're not allowed to ask questions like this, but it's my right last ahead. day. Uh, actually, the last part of my last yes, show right yes, now. Sure, okay. Um, no, really, because there's some things we kind of tiptoe around here. Uh, I just come in on my moccasins and just ask you straight out: what What does an average price out the door when, when a person who falls in love and sees the air show, whatever, says, "I got to have me one"? What are they going to pay? Uh, for a brand new uh, Waco YMF five, I mean, about about you're going to look at about four eighty nine, okay, and thanks. Great Lakes, and that's really inexpensive, I think, based on the square footage mm-hmm. of the airplane. Uh, you know, think a lot about there. it. Yeah, there's a lot there. So, so for, I think that's a bargain. How we long? charge by the square foot, actually. Yeah, I so think right. it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I think so. How, how long to build from start to finish? Um, right now, we got about a four-month lead time on the aircraft, oh, but wow. uh, we do have parts that we have built already, so it's just a matter of picking your paint, picking what you want. For those people li- listening right now, liveatc.net slash SNF, they can actually go out and check out some of those videos that we were talking about. I mean, you, could, Waco you don't have to buy one. You can just no, look at you it. You can actually watch it. It's, it. it's experiential. It's on YouTube. There's lots of different videos on the on the website. So it's very appealing to yeah. many people. But you know what? Yeah. Uh, getting out in the airplane is much different than watching it on YouTube, oh, yeah. uh, I have to yeah. say. And it's just being next to that It's a memorable experience is, other it, than it, Mike. It, it, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's wow. true. <laughs> we're not supposed to treat our guests that like that no. <laughs> i said this my last show <laughs> it just you know i i think these planes um have some amazing history and and you are actually you're flying a piece of history even though it's new yes, and, and exactly. you get those advantages of having a new aircraft mm-hmm. uh so tell us a little bit about that because i think there's been some engineering that's changed over the years if i have an old waco am i going to have the same parts manual as the new one probably not no, you're not. Over the years, uh, since the original 1935 type certificate, we've made some changes. We've shortened the main gear a little bit, raised the tail, lengthened the fuselage, did the same thing with the Great Lakes biplane. We made it a little longer, made some gear changes, made the cockpits a little bit bigger for guys yeah. like me. Um, so, but the good part about having a brand new aircraft is we've got parts. You know, you don't have to know the one guy that has four parts, and you've got to be his best buddy to get that part. All you have to do is call us. We're already your best buddy. We'll sell you the part or give you the part. In, in our discussion a few minutes ago, I found out something, too. Carl, They actually you can actually bring your airplane there, a used one, mm-hmm. and they'll yes. restore it there, which I wasn't aware that you did that there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that, I mean, as far as the restoration process. Okay, that's through, like, the Centennial side of it. It's Waco, but we do have Centennial side of Waco. And uh, we could restore aircraft there. We could build aircraft there. And that doesn't mean it's just tube and rag. We can also do aluminum aircraft, and we could do restorations right there at hmm. Centennial. Awesome. Hey, you know the air show is going to start here in about two and a half minutes. Do uh, you have any Wacos up there in the air show today? Uh, not in the air show, but pretty close. Right. Right right up right. there. If you come up to the Waco tent, you'll get a good view of the air show. I always wanted to. Actually, I've never been able to fly in one. Uh, Stearman's quite a bit. Uh, never been able to get in a Waco. What is there, uh, like if I fly Stearman's every so often, what's the difference in the Waco and the Stearman, if there is? Any difference in flying? You know, I, I don't like to compare the two too right, much. Right, but, no, but uh, you know, if you've got big biplane time, it's pretty easy pretty transition. Yeah, 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 cool. 
and yeah. and it's uh, just a gorgeous plane too. I mean, the and the paint jobs that you guys have had out here are just phenomenal. I remember oh, yeah. the one guy he had that painted similar to like one of his cars that he used yes. for racing. That was a, a beautiful paint job. Oh, yes. I, I saw you guys up in Tavares on the the seaplane on floats. That thing was gorgeous. I think you had it out here, yes. uh, and and it's it's one of those planes that you look at. And it just brings you back, and there's a lot of nostalgia, even if you're younger. Uh, it brings up dreams of flying, and that's why I love Waco. I, yes. I got to say, too, for, as airplanes go, for some reason, the paint job on Waco's is super. I yeah, mean, it is. There's yep. something about it that's different than I wonder other. why that is. You know, the same thing. I mean, I, always, I, it's, it's, I don't know what it is. What is it? Cleaner. Well, just the we, way. We, we've, you mean, as far as the paint goes, yeah. well, we've got great designers there, and we also we have a very secretive paint process, ah, we which I'm not allowed to talk about. <laughs> Another secret. (laughs) (laughs) Please do uh, go check them out, uh, Waco Aircraft. Where where can we find you again? What's a good location here on the field? Uh, It is MD-19. MD-19? Delta-19, so kind of right by where you have the air show announcers building. Well, that's where we're at. Awesome. Waco Aircraft. Mike Mike Hartman. Uh, We are uh, so excited to go see the aircraft. Maybe we should go check it out now, get a picture next to it. Appreciate you coming by again. And uh, and also, I just appreciate you guys keeping the dream alive with the Waco Aircraft. Thank you so much. Really awesome. Dave, you, you, and he, yeah. and he, that's our chairman, <laughs> Dave Shelbetter, that wants a ride in a Waco. No. We, can, uh, we can put him in the cockpit today, but are you guys doing rides? You're not doing rides, right? That's We're not show. doing rides right I, now, no. Right. But, oh. yeah. <laughs> okay. And just don't forget to actually, uh, yeah, that's true. You can go online, get a chance to win, and Thanks also goodness. stop by the, by the yeah, booth. Yeah, that's one last thing. We've got a game there. we got Plinko there. Plinko, that's yeah, right. Yeah, and you could play that. You could win prizes, and uh, one of them is a run. Air show's coming awesome. up. Awesome. Air show's coming up. You can listen to the air show, by the way, on uh, liveatc.net slash SNF. We have a really important guest here today, and... Uh, you know, this all couldn't happen, this event, without the, the volunteers and the folks that work at Sun and Fun. And today with us is somebody who's, who's fairly new to the organization, has been a, doing a great job. Oh, thank and you. And that's uh, Michelle Reinsmith. Welcome to <laughs> thank Sun you. and thank Fun. Thank you. Thank you. First time on, on Sun and Fun Radio, hopefully not the last. It is my first time <laughs> here. Well, it's actually my first air show. Wow. So, yes, I really? started last February. And it was, okay, learn as much as you can about an air show in uh, less than a month. And then <laughs> oh. it was, no, no air show. And so this is actually my first everything. So awesome. you had a year to study? Well, I did, which is good because there's a lot to learn. Well, welcome. We're so <laughs> excited to have you here. Uh, development director, actually, at, at ACE, Aerospace Center yes. for Excellence. And uh, they do so much over there. Gosh, it's amazing. I think people have no idea how much they do. It's, uh, people think about the scholarships. You know, that's mm-hmm. one thing. But there, there is just a lot that's going on over there. Tell us a little bit about ACE. Well, um, we are expanding. Yes. So um, we are in the midst of a capital campaign project called Project Skylab. It's a 22,000-square-foot expansion of the Florida Air Museum. Um, in that expansion, we are going to have five STEM classrooms. So these are going to be STEM laboratories. Um, we are going to be providing... Um, State and national STEM programming. Um, we are working with the Polk County Public Schools. Um, so this is just an amazing, amazing adventure and undertaking, and so worthwhile. Um, STEM education is so important. Uh, STEM education leads to careers in the aerospace industry, mm-hmm. and that's what we want to do. We want to grow our industry. STEM is an acronym. 
Oh, yes. For science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Awesome. Yes. Okay, I'm going to throw you a loop. Do you know what STEAM engineering is? Yes. It includes the arts. All right. (laughs) And I am a huge person when it comes to the arts. So I've worked in radio. Um, I spent 25 years in public broadcasting, so I'm kind of... Let's talk. I'm kind of used to the the mic. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm used to asking the questions, not answering them, so... So this is interesting. It's great putting her on the spot you know, like this. Cause, <laughs> and she is so, such a, a great sport. And I, I, like I said, a, a lot of people don't realize what's going on over here uh, yes. because there is so much. You, know, you talk about Polk County Schools. I think a lot of people think you're talking about Central Florida Aerospace Academy, which, was, which is terrific. But mm-hmm. this is even above that. That's beyond yes. that program that's there. And, and again, people don't realize there is a, a high school here. That Central could- Florida Aerospace Academy. Um, so it is part of the Kathleen High School. Hmm. Um, we have, yes, we have um, the Central Florida Aerospace Academy right here on campus, on the Sun and Fun campus. Um, and we have, I think, about 350 students right now. Wow. Um, I believe it can go up to about 500. Um, there, is, there are six tracks. The, the newest one is Drone. So I heard you asking about drones on the, with right. the last interview. So, yes, we do have that as our newest. Um, but, no, this is the entire Polk County public school system. Our director of education, Kimberly Brewer, has been working with um, Polk County to basically create that relationship so that basically I think it is oh, 7th, 8th, and 10th and 11th, but don't quote me, will all have field trips to Project Skylab. That'll be one of their field trips that they have to come here. And we are going to have some really cool, neat tools. I mean, we're going to have a holographic projector, um, the NOAA Spear. We're looking to get one of those, which will show you weather patterns. If a student comes here, decides to come here, I take it they're funding their own transportation to get here, but I, I take it they can go to school where they want. I'm not from Florida, so... So anyone, yes. So for CFAA, yes. Um, If you're a Polk County public school, I mean, Polk County resident, Mm -hmm. as long as you can get here, you can go there. Wow. Aerospace Center for Excellence. I mean, they they do so much. I mean, they truly engage and educate and also accelerate the next generation of aerospace professionals. You know, something that's really tough right now is money. I mean, a lot of people have been struggling lately, but uh, we're going to raise some money over there. And, uh, and build this, this Project Skylab, up to something even greater. And you know what's really neat? And I, I'll let you talk about it. Somebody mm-hmm. actually stepped up, didn't they, to We help did. Out. So we have a match of $100,000. So during this week of the fly-in, um, any money raised will be matched up to $100,000. Um, so the thing was, when this project first launched, the Capital Cam- Campaign Project, it launched in... January of 2019, and the goal was to have this built, Um, and we thought that we would raise the rest of the money during the 2020 fly-in, and of course that didn't happen, but we had so much money already committed, about half, that we thought, okay, let's, let's, let's build it. We will raise the money. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of interest, and it has such a need here in this community. So we started the process. It's about to be completed um, this summer, and we are expected to start having, I think we have um, all the teachers in Polk County Public Schools coming August 4th for a, a um, 
you know, to basically see the classrooms right. and see what we can do. I mean, we moved to a virtual platform after COVID, right. and it, it gave us so much more exposure that we didn't even realize. Is there any public money that goes into the funding of the school at all, or is it just all private sector? Oh no! I mean, it's it's public. Do- it's donations from from the community. It's also grants. Um, we have a state grant. Uh, we have some private uh, foundations that have supported the organ the project. But it really comes down to just folks like you and me saying, "Okay, let's give, let's support mm-hmm. this," because you know this this is what's going to basically get us out of that next pandemic. Hopefully, we never have another one. But we we want to get those kids you know, graduated and in industries that can be the leaders of tomorrow. Michelle, you know, you can actually make a difference by just coming to Sun and Fun, can't you? Yes. This money here, people ask about the ticket prices. Where does it go? What happens to that ticket price? So the proceeds from this week are all going to Project Skylab. Wow. So you really are. You don't even realize it, but you already are contributing to Project Skylab. Yes. Yeah. So think about that next time you do go buy a ticket, you're actually contributing to Project Skylab, and something that's really important, that's STEM. It is. And uh, so what else is coming out down the line? I know we're talking a lot about Project Skylab. I know there's a lot of other projects that are over there. And by the way, hats off to Kimberly Brewer, if you're listening. She is tireless. I mean, it's incredible the energy she has. She does the work of five people. Just phenomenal. Uh, she's helped us here over at uh, Polk State College, of which I'm the coach of the flight team over there. Helps hmm. put together. We do our regional competition right here oh. at Sun and Fun. Awesome. And she actually runs the whole thing. She took it up by herself and did that. It's the those are all the people that are involved, and the, and the monies go to those things to helping the schools. A, a, li- a small example. Uh, they actually give money to the college, get, enable us to use their vans so that we can get to these competitions. That's great. Uh, so, so there's more than, than meets the eye is what I'm trying to say here at Sonify. It's about giving. It's about yeah. giving back to our community. Absolutely. And, and that's what's so important. And Kimberly is just such a wonderful asset to ACE. Um, we also have Rochelle Floyd, who mm-hmm. is our scholarship director. Um, and between the two of them, they do such an amazing job of making sure that our students are getting to that next level. Do you think the students, as compared with other young people, comparable age and such, do they have a sense of appreciation for what this is that makes this so different from, let's say, from the state of Illinois where I come from? I bl- yes, because, okay, so we needed volunteers for our ACE flight deck. And I basically said to Rochelle, we need some volunteers. And you know who, who immediately volunteered? It was our alumni. It was the kids who have graduated, who have, who have graduated from our programs that said, okay, we'll come back for a week. We'll volunteer. We'll be here. We'll give tours of Skylab. For, you know, we love you. We want to support you as much as we can. And so, I mean, we had nine students within a few hours. And that's amazing. That just shows how much this means to them. That's great. You know, I, how, how many years have we had? Well, when did we have our first graduate? If you go back, I know it's been a while now, which is pretty, yes. pretty good. So, um, so the Aerospace Center for Excellence actually started in 2014, but, this, but CFAA was already, had, been, had already been built. So um, everything kind of merged under the Aerospace Center for Excellence back mm-hmm. in October of 2019. So mm-hmm. this air show is our biggest fundraiser, but it's a fundraiser for ACE. Amen. Have the kids kept up the pace with the COVID and everything? 
Yes, yes. I mean, we're doing our best, and we've been, in terms of our programming, we went virtual. We offered STEM chats. We offered um, a summer camp, a virtual summer camp, where we interviewed all all sorts of folks from NOAA to uh, FAA. And so we did three days of virtual programming for about six weeks. And so we had folks from, I think it was like 25 states and four countries, students that participated. How easy or difficult was it to merge with what was going on politically and, you know, getting the rule from on high as to what we were doing with respect to, you know, the spacing and the masks and all? Um, You know, it wasn't, it was one of those where it was, okay, this is what we have to do. And we we basically took our summer camp, which was supposed to be here, Mm -hmm. and we were like, okay, we're going to make it virtual. And Mm -hmm. we had about a month to do it. And Kimberly is one of those go-go type. And so we were doing it. I mean, we're not videographers, we're not editors, but we made it happen. Is there any sense that after the where everything the all clear comes, is there any sense that for some students who have we'll call it special needs geographically speaking, mm-hmm. we'll be able to continue virtually versus have to be in person for some, if not most of the. Learning? I think I think the wave of, the way of the future yeah. will be both. Okay, and I, I, I have a I, sense of that too. And I think this is the door opening for that. I think for most schools. Yes. Yes. Where can they find out more about uh, Sun and Fun and all the different things that they do? Maybe they, someone wants to contribute. They're online right now. Listen on liveatc.net slash SNF. So if you want to learn more about the Aerospace Center for Excellence, you can visit our website. It's, um, uh, I think it's ace.aero.edu. Um, but basically just type in the Aerospace Center for Excellence and it will come up, or or you can go through Sun and Fun's website as well as the museum, Florida is, Air Museum. Is there a donate button there? Just there is donate, donate buttons everywhere, <laughs> and they're all don't they're all clicked so that when you donate this week, it automatically goes to Project Skylab. I think that's awesome. I think it's terrific, and uh, hats off to you for what you've done so far. We're looking forward to seeing you all a lot on the deck here at Sun and Fun Radio. Thanks, I look Michelle. forward we're, to joining we're you. We're not going to let you. her go too far because. We want her to volunteer. She you did a great job, and it, it's so wonderful to have somebody uh, with a background in radio and also somebody that's uh, excited about what's happening in the STEM program at ACE. So welcome aboard, since I didn't get to say that a year ago. When you got well, to, thank you. And, and funny, it was really interesting. One quick thing. So they asked me, they're like, coming from public broadcasting, what do you know about STEM? And I said, well, I know a lot in terms of watching it on Big Bang Theory. Yes. And it's like, I love the Big Bang Theory well, show, so it's like, let's do it. I don't think it's Bing Bang. Big Bang. I think it's Big Bang, yeah. Yeah, Big okay. Bang. I thought you said being there, but that's something no I would have done. <laughs> Could be your hard of hearing. Whoa. <laughs> well, thank Thanks you. Thanks again, Michelle. Michelle. I can't wait to see you again. Again, go out. To, one of the things we've been telling everybody is flysnf.org to find out more about the air show. You can click on all the links there to find out more about STEM and the Aerospace Center for Excellence. And thanks so much, Michelle. I appreciate everything you do. We have a new guest coming up on the deck here. And that's somebody from the Florida wing of the Civil Air Patrol. Uh, it's actually uh, GoFloridaWing.org. And uh, Louis Garcia, welcome. We've talked before. It's great to have you back. No, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. And uh, great to be back at Sun and Fun after our pause from last year. One of the things I think people don't realize is that uh, Civil Air Patrol is involved in many different things. We, we think about them as search and rescue. 
But there's both things they do for younger folks, and they also do for the seniors. We call them cadets. Maybe you could go over the mission real quickly about what the Civil Air Patrol is. Absolutely. So our organization has three um, missions that we're mandated. The first one is our cadet program, reaching out to our youth from 12 to 18 to get involved in aerospace, also in STEM, to open up their horizons. Secondly is our emergency services, our search and rescue, disaster relief, homeland security, those missions that you see our airplanes up each and every day. And lastly is our outreach with the aerospace education. We partner with schools, with STEM education, to get that knowledge of aerospace out into the community. Can we talk about, um, from a layperson's point of view, when search and rescue is dispatched, um, how often does that happen, number one, <coughs> excuse me, where people are getting in trouble, and to what extent will search and rescue be dispatched or, or not? Well, search and rescue, um, we get involved first. Um, we could either have an airplane that has come up overdue that exceeded its filed flight plan time, right. family member didn't get him home, or an emergency locator transmitter went off, and Air Force Rescue Coordination Center will get that phone call, or mm-hmm. they will start that action. Then they will reach out to the appropriate agency. In our case, we will do aerial search and rescue. We may be partnered with the local sheriff's office, with the Coast Guard, or other agencies. But as an aircraft comes up missing or overdue, they'll reach out to us, to our duty officer, and say, hey, Civil Air Patrol, we have an airplane that's overdue, missing. We need your help. And there's a number of different tools that Civil Air Patrol now uses at disposal. One of them is cell phone forensics and radar forensics. So before we sometimes we even launch an airplane, we have a team that's spread across the nation that's looking at cell phone and radar to determine where that airplane is at so we can get last known information and with the ELT information sometimes we may not even have to launch an aircraft and we can find where that airplane may have set down where they're at if we have to launch an aerial rescue or an aerial search we'll normally have an asset two to three hours within the air looking for them and again we may be partnered with other agencies as we're doing that but our trained crews will be out there using the different tools at their disposal to conduct a search. And um, there, there's many searches that I've participated in that we've been very, very successful. But we're out there for the aviation community. That is part of our charter and part of our mission. I think it's great. Is there, people know that you exist and that you're ready to swing into action if, if necessary. Yes, sir. We're, we're always there. We have over 3,000 volunteers in the state of Florida, both adult members and uh, our cadets, our young men and women that serve in multiple capacities. So they bring their time as the official auxiliary of the United States Air Force and volunteer from all different walks of life, from public service, military, aviation professionals. Our organization is made up from all these different areas. And you don't have to be a pilot to be part of our organization. You could come from a cyber background. We're involved in cyber activities. You could be involved in uh, communications or our aerial search or working with our young men and women. So... You can hit from all walks of life. When you talk about young men and women, is there any advantage of them getting involved, say they're looking towards a military career? Absolutely. Well, not just a military career, but a career in aviation. So as uh, you were talking to your prior speaker, to the commander from NOAA, uh, we are pushing our young men and women. We are giving them opportunities to pursue private pilot scholarships, fully funded by the United States Air Force. Mm -hmm. We are looking at diversity in organizations. So young men and women, we are... We do have women in aviation that we do focus on and diversity across our organization. Additionally, it does give them a leg up into joining the military. So if a cadet completes the Earhart, which is one of the higher end achievements, they can come in an advanced rank. And then as they move on, the eager or the spots. But it does give them an advantage. But it also 
not just there, but our partnership with the aviation industry. I, one of the things that I've seen over the years, I've been involved in, I can't remember how long, decades in Civil mm-hmm. Air Patrol. I, I, and lately I haven't been able to, to do much, uh, and that's because of the fact that I haven't, I haven't really been able to, to, to fly with small airplanes because of work. What can I do like, to help support Civil Air Patrol, even though I'm not one that can become a member or whatever? Is there any way that could help out? Well, there's a couple of different ways. You can join the organization being a patron member, so you can help join and contribute. Um, you can donate to the organization. Um, so those are just ways that somebody from the public can join. And then we also have associate members such as parents that are bringing their cadets that join and help that cadet out. So there's, those are the base-level memberships, and then you can be a full member and, again, don't have to be a, a current pilot. We can use you in a lot of different areas. Because I get that that question a lot. It's like, I, I really don't have the time to get involved, but I have the money. Mm-hmm. What do I do? You can help. Mm-hmm. You can definitely help. I absolutely love working with the cadets and what they do here at Sun and Fun. Uh, most years, they go, they're out there doing some work. Do you know if they're doing anything this year? I know because of coronavirus, things have changed a little bit. So we actually um, partnership with Sun and Fun. We have 114 members that we'll be supporting throughout the week, and we have two missions ongoing, supporting the air show and our emergency services side. So if we do have... An ELT go off here at the air show. I do have a team here that will do a ground search, get, help get that ELT shut down so we don't have any non-distress beacon um, impacting the system. I got to say, whenever you see any one of those individuals, they're all what I would call, like you, Lewis, clean cut. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they just have that look that they've got a brain and they have intelligence. They have ethics. It just seems like there's a, they're a cut above. Very I, impressed. Yeah. No, I, I again... I, our members represent the best of us. And um, one of our members uh, today, she's being recognized, Olivia Jenkins, Cadet Major Olivia Jenkins. She is a recent recipient of the Private Pilot Scholarship. So she exemplifies that. She has achieved high, uh, the higher end of our program. And uh, she just got contracted here in Tampa to start her flight training to get a private pilot's license. So congratulations, her. Olivia, and big shout out right. to what you've done. That is right. awesome. Uh, there's scholarships, there's opportunities for people to fly. You're doing something, you're helping people. It has a very long history, and it's, it's an organization that I, the one thing I love about it is it's growing. They keep, like you said, diversity. There, there's, you can get involved in so many things in Civil Air Patrol. Say you're good at uh, public relations. You can even do stuff there, can't you? Absolutely. Um, we have members uh, such as my public affairs officer who's in the area. She is working it, and she has a passion and love for it. So it's it's. What do you want to do? And literally, you can get training in a very diverse field. It's not just the airplane. You know, one of the things that they do also is the communications aspect. Are they still doing that? People say, well, you know, you don't really need ham radios and things like that. Uh, Is it something that they still do in the Civil Air Patrol? Absolutely. We have one of the most robust communications network. As part of the Air Force Auxiliary, the Air Force relies on our communication network to help out during disasters. Mm-hmm. When cell phone towers become unavailable, satellite phone systems get plugged, we can still communicate on airwaves. So CAP has invested heavily in our communications architecture. Um, we have repeaters spread through the state. In fact, we have a new capability called ReadyOp where I could be on my smartphone, dial into my radio system, and be talking to a unit on the other side of the state. Any success stories as far as either search and rescue or through that communication network you might want to share? Um, on our searches, the success stories, um, I don't have the latest statistic, but CAP is credited with many saves across the nation. 
So we are continually saving lives through either our cell phone forensics, our searches, um, our comm network. Whenever we've had any issues, again, it's something we've been able to rely on. So it's just an ongoing thing. Just, again, uh, talking from the side, what is the percentage in your estimation of those that get in trouble requiring search and rescue got themselves in that trouble versus something that was outside of their control? Have you ever had a ratio study on such things? Unfortunately, I don't know that. Um, But what I do know is that the pilots that do prepare themselves make it easier for us to find them. So, and if we have somebody that inadvertently gets into weather, anything else, we, we're still out there looking for them. We used, you would still be used for hikers too, though, right? Yeah. Um, so in uh, the Midwest, we've been used for hikers. Um, years ago, we were involved in helping out with a uh, gentleman, and this was one of our success stories that had been missing for a number of days with Alzheimer's. We did find him um, and got him back to his family. That's amazing. I mean, you can hear those yeah. stories oh, over yeah. and over oh, yeah. and over again. Civil Air Patrol, real easy to find. Uh, GoFloridaWing.org. Uh, and uh, it's actually, and also CAP.gov. There. And another, I think something else that people don't realize, it, it is uh, underneath the military, under the Air Force, but they do have officers at the Air Force working full-time with the Civil Air Patrol, don't they? We do. So our organization is to split two sides. We have the Civil Air Patrol side, which is our congressionally mandated, where I am. And then we have the Air Force Partnership as the auxiliary, where we have our Air Force oversight under CAP USAF, Civil Air Patrol, U.S. Air Force, which are staffed by active duty and reserve Air Force personnel, helping assist Civil Air Patrol in the conduct of its missions. And we work hand-in-hand with the 1st Air Force, or which is stationed out at Tyndall Air Force Base. So, again, being part of that total Air Force family. So if I'm a, a young person wanting to become a cadet or somebody older, maybe we're, uh, we might worry about the physical aspect of it. it. Can anybody get involved? Like someone even like me might be a little bit rounder. Actually, we have members with disabilities that really? again diversity in organization we look at what a member wants to do and the strength they want to bring physical limitations we can make accommodations for a member um it is not the army it's not the air force where we're running physical fitness tests for our senior members however we do recognize that some folks you know may have a limitation but they bring a lot to the table so we want to make sure we're inclusive and our organization is representative when did you start I started in 1992. I got recruited. Um, I'd heard about Civil Air Patrol, and uh, I had just gotten my private pilot's license, and it was one of the best things I ever found out about. It was a way to get back to my community and professionalize my input to the aviation community. I love the fact that they're really uh, pushing STEM. I mean, that, that's something, uh, science, technology, engineering, math. It's uh, Getting involved in aviation in general, you're going to learn a few things about one of those fields of study. Um, what are some of the other things, just to repeat, as far as STEM and some of the things that they can learn and also put forth? So some of the things in our STEM, uh, robotics kits, cyber. We uh, have large competition in the Cyber Patriot Arena. The UAS. Our UAS is a growing field, not only on the STEM side, but in our emergency services side, using the small 50-pound or less uh, unmanned aerial uh, sensors. So those are some areas that we've been touching. Also, we partner with teachers. We have what we call our top program, so we partner with different middle schools and different schools to get teachers to expose our you know, young men and women at their school age to STEM, to aerospace, to open up that aperture. How much are, are, are drones becoming part of the picture for the CAP? Uh, they're starting to become a bigger picture for us. Uh, it, is, it has enhanced our capability with our manned aircraft, so we're using it with our ground teams. 
It's a nascent technology for us right now, and we're starting to incorporate it, but it has been ever-present in our cadet programs to get our young men and women out, hey, how do, we, how do you build a drone? How do you fly it? And that's translating to our emergency services mission. Well, Colonel, I really appreciate you coming here every year. It's been wonderful. Colonel Luis Garcia with the Florida Wing, who is the commander of the Florida Wing here. Uh, GoFloridaWing.org. Find out more about the Civil Air Patrol, what you can do both as a cadet, as a senior member, squadrons all over. They're really doing a lot as far as with search and rescue, the cadet program, and putting forth STEM. We really appreciate you coming here today. I really appreciate it, and as always, thank you for having me. Please visit our friends there at GoFloridaWing.org. You've been listening to LiveATC.net slash SNF, Sun and Fun Radio. Russ Rosleski for Sun and Fun Radio, liveatc.net slash SNF or 1510 AM if you are in your car or you have an AM radio somewhere else. Uh, and I am back and uh, glad to uh, welcome today Luke Wolk, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Amper, and we'll get into what that is in a minute, but uh, the, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring Luke on was I was walking through Hangar B yesterday, and I saw this you know, a couple of what looked like engines, you know, and it's like, ah, I like engines. Let me go look at those things. And then I start looking at these engines and it, they're the weirdest looking thing I've ever seen, Luke. I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out even how they were supposed to work. They didn't look like any engines I've ever seen. So I definitely wanted to bring you on a show. So welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you, Russ. Thank you very kindly. Well, thank you for coming by at, uh, you know, Hangar B and stopping at our booth. Uh, yeah, those are very uh, funky-looking uh, um, engines. But uh, I think that the, uh, the first thing that I should mention is the Ampere name. It's, it's also a mouthful because it's Advanced Materials and Propulsion Engineering and Research. Uh, yeah, I wasn't going to try to <laughs> get all that I, in. I know, and it took me some time to just get on it, yeah. Go, go ahead, go ahead, David. Yeah, and, and there was so much present. When he said Luke, did you notice there was a little pause? He goes, Luke. And I was thinking he was going to be Skywalker. Hey, well, the way Davis, he did that. Interestingly, <laughs> you mentioned that. Just look at my business card. You know what? I, you said you're from <laughs> Chicago. I, yes, I am. I used to live in Chicago, and I told my boss my nickname is Sky. See? So I told, yes. I used to tell people I'm the only Luke Skywalker you ever met. <laughs> Luke Skywalk. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, but, you can have the card. Go ahead. Great. That's great. But, but yeah, so Luke, I mean, do you, you've got, uh, man, to kind of encapsulate why these engines are very unique. I mean, everybody knows a four-stroke engine, yes. all right? Yeah, it's a the normal engine yeah. that's in most cars and airplanes and such. You and then you have your two-stroke engines, which you may have in a weed whacker or a dirt bike or something. There you go. Well, you have that again, and we've got single-stroke engines. The, yes, we do. We have a single-stroke engine. So what the single-stroke engine is, is the engine where every stroke is a power stroke. Now, some people might, might say this is something completely new that just came out uh, last month. No, no, it's actually not. Yesterday, as I was describing this engine to the crowd surrounding our booth, there was uh, one gentleman in his late 70s who was slowly walking by the booth, and he turned around and said, Are you talking about the Borg cycle? I said, Yes. The Bork cycle is something that was back in 1930s. Mr. Russell Bork was the one who was thinking about building single-stroke engine out of the uh, steam engine. So what we have at our booth, yeah. and you can see it, is we have a working prototypes of a single-stroke engine where every stroke is a power stroke. So that's, that's what makes it very unique. But now there's a couple more things that are along with that. So uh, number one, the engine is very efficient. So uh, uh, we claim we have the most efficient engine in the world that you would compare it to a, any engine in a car. In fact, we're, we're claiming we have 54% efficiency 
engine. Okay, so now that, I mean, a car engine, we're talking 25, 30% efficiency. A 30 throughout the max. Okay, yeah, sure. With so, like Atkinson cycle, which you don't want to have that car. I, I think most people don't realize that gasoline engines are very inefficient. I mean, 25, 30%, right? But yeah. 54%, that's, that's well, a significant that, improvement. It is an improvement, but now, you know, we have to be clear. There are some engines on a ship, uh, you know, 100,000 horsepower engines, right. five stories. These guys are running at, you know, 180 RPMs. They're also efficient, but, you know, we're not going to fit that in a, in, a, in a plane or in a car, right? So, no, not easily. So we have, the, what, what is also very unique about the engine that we have is very small. It has three times higher volumetric density. So we are compacting the entire engine out of 24 structure parts. You know, and again, 24 structure parts. And I have an engine that weighs 143 pounds and outputs 360 horsepower. That's a lot. Yes. That's amazing. Uh, that's a it's a, it's a it's a very very hefty engine and so my so my uh, as we were you know starting the show we, we could hear the engine at the back and I was thinking most of the people they like the sound of the engine this engine sounds awesome at 2,000 RPMs it sounds like V8 at 8,000. Well, I'd like to hear it. I know you didn't quite have a working one in the hangar, but uh, oh, but you know what we. Uh, to be fair, to, to, to give you the color of the Baxter, we came from Canada. Uh-huh. Uh, we have to say that those are not working prototypes, but nobody knows. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let, me, let me see if I can try to paint a word picture here and describe what, what the engine that drew me over there looks like. If you can picture a, 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 a cylinder off any airplane, okay, stack about four of them just on top of each other. Okay, so you got cooling fins and a little gap, and then cooling fins, and times four, and you got, and then you got a crankshaft kind of thing in the middle, and the one I looked at had propellers on the ends, and I remember looking at this thing and wait a minute, <laughs> it's got four carburetors, they're all in a line on these cylinders, it looks like they're all bolted to each other, I don't get it, but then when you through your uh, your graphic you had displayed there and through talking with us, you showed how I mean it's got the what it's like a sleeve bearing and it's got there are all the pistons are all connected in a line and i I was amazed well thank you so we're going to call it simply efficient but again 24 structure parts in in the engine that you're describing what we have done is we took the cylinders and we put them on the inside and put the crankshaft on the outside so we we would call it a post piston uh, engine but those would be the pistons that are coming together right in this version we just separated the pistons they're not coming together they're on on the outside of the cylinders but the crankshaft that is sticking out of the engine. We have two of those. Each one of those crankshafts are actually spinning in a positive direction. So we have counter-rotation on a crankshaft itself. Uh, so that's something very innovative. You would have no gyroscope effect in such engine. And, and we actually have two engines uh, um, in, our, in our booth where you can see how that works. And we also have an animation explaining that there's no gears, no transmission. Just a very clever crankshaft that is split in a half. And, and it, it was definitely a very clever design, and I can, I can see how that would be very low vibration. You were, you were telling me a story. You had one running and had a cup of water on it or something? Yeah, so, so all of them are running? We have to... It, all of them are... Yeah, I'm so, I know, David, it's, it's confusing, but, you know, coming across the border, we have to claim, you know what I, you know what I mean? It's, uh, so with, with, with the one that it's... I have a video with, with a glass of water on top of the engine crankcase at... 900 rpms and the water in a, in a glass don't move so that's yeah, there, we have a very very good noise vibration harshness 
Yeah, I, I mean, certainly most engines you know have some kind of imbalance or roughness or something. But the way this is designed, looked like it would try to cancel all that out. Now the ones I saw over there d- did look like they were probably for some smaller aerial vehicle applications <laughs> to word it generically. You know, we're drones and that kind of stuff, right? Yes, that's very correct. So the use of, of those engines would be in UAVs. We also have some two-stroke engines that we are on a, on a display. And uh, those would have also very high power-to-weight ratio. And one of the engines we're showing over there, 240cc, uh, that has 33 horsepower out of 22 pounds at 8,200 RPMs. And that engine, we, we sold over 2,000 of these engines over in Europe. Uh, we had a, our roots are actually in aviation. Uh, the, the main inventor, scientist, and president and CTO in a company, Mr. Wojciech Gajabonski, was the one that uh, was actually inventing uh, ultralights, paracel trike over in Europe in the 80s. That guy was testing uh, mm. gliders for NASA in Germany, and then he built a flank craft around it, and then successfully sold over 2,000 flying crafts. So those are our roots. The power-to-weight ratio is the key for us. And now we can take this and also apply it to small gen sets. And, and if you're thinking about UAVs and drones, where most of them, they have you know, DC motor and they have battery pack, we still have 10 times greater energy density in a one gallon of high-octane gasoline. So what we have done is we, we took the engine, we turned it into genset, into a gen, small tiny generator, and we used it as a power plant for the DC motors in a drone. We couldn't show the drone on a, on a show. We have a client in one of the NATO countries, and we can't really disclose much, just probably one picture in a, in a brochure. Uh, but what we were able to achieve is this is a, a less than 24-kilogram drone, so under FAA and, uh, and TSA regulations, uh, where we can fly this drone over three hours of distance. That's, I think that's also very unique. That's pretty incredible. Yes. <laughs> now, I did, will say over there you had one engine that, that we were talking about for a while. It's not a gasoline engine. doesn't use gasoline. It uses well, yeah, hydrogen. Yeah, we have an engine that operates on hydrogen. Yeah. And water. Well, As I recall. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's going to be difficult to describe all oh, this I, over, the, over the microphone. That, that's why you need to go by the booth, right? But, but yeah, they had, I mean, we're talking a hydrogen engine and, and like a water injection system. There you go. So yeah. the, one of the engines that we're displaying over there was designed to operate on gases. Not liquids, but gases. So there's, there's a lot of problems with that high temperature that, you know, in, injection and you know, how would you solve all this. Now, with hydrogen, there are so many issues. And throughout last yesterday, I have met with some, some people that experimented with that, and they had great knowledge about it. But we were able to, to kind of solve some of those issues because of the design of the engine, of the single-stroke engine, where we have no, no camshaft. We have, we have only direct injection. Uh, uh, there's, there's no valves in the engine. And there's this very, very simple design. And again, 24 structure parts only. And... Uh, scavenging that we have implemented in this engine makes it very unique and allows us to have much higher temperatures than what we would have with typical engines. So it runs not hydrogen, syngas, biogas, uh, natural gas, and dirty hydrogen. So we don't need to have a pure hydrogen, which costs quite a lot. We can have a dirty hydrogen, and it's, it's very easy accessible. And we are able to burn it in the engine. Interesting. Uh, and I see in your brochure here you have some, I assume they are, are prototypes, of some very interesting-looking aerial vehicles, personal uh, aerial vehicles, maybe yes. <laughs> like this one. <laughs> you got it, Ross. So yeah, so so yeah. So if we have a propulsion system that have the highest power-to-weight ratio, and we were able to build a counter-rotating crankshaft out of a post-piston engine, and you can you can you can see that we have it on a display there. 
uh, if we if you can stretch this engine and you can make it a little bit slightly bigger than, than usually we have on, on the show right now, we can put direct drive propellers on the top and on the bottom of it. Each one of them are spinning in a positive direction. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna mount it mount it on a hover bike, and <laughs> we're claiming an hour for sure we're gonna have something to show in September 2021. 20, but who knows? Maybe we're gonna be able to get it uh, you know to Oshkosh this year. It would be great, right? That would be fantastic. Uh, I just need to you know convince my wife that I need one, right? <laughs> oh, no problem. Yeah, it shouldn't, shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> But, yeah, it's just a motorcycle. It's, it's exactly. the flies, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, what else? What other kind of products do you have over there? I mean, I see some uh, uh, generators and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, the 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 market is vast where you where we use internal combustion engines. And again, if, we, if we're talking very high efficiency, uh, you know, I don't want to. Uh, there is a lot of people going into electric vehicles, electric devices. Uh, uh, I, I don't see that th- this would be the, something that would take over the uh, energy market, energy circuit. We still have to probably plug it somewhere and get the electricity from somewhere. What we are showing and what we're presenting is the next step. I know that uh, uh, some governments and, and countries are going towards the hydrogen. There is a big announcement just a couple of days ago uh, how the government decided to fund the hydrogen economy, etc., but what we have is a next step in it where we can actually combust hydrogen, which is very easy, accessible. So in, in our case, uh, under Ampere, uh, we, we are a research and development company. But we also have operating companies which will be bringing those products into the hands of the customers this year, 2021. So we're starting with some two-stroke engines that uh, we have in, in our portfolio. And then going from that later this year, we're going to have a first single-stroke engine that we want to want to bring into the market. And now... As you have open in our brochure right now, is you're looking at a large size genset. This is 500 kilowatt gensets out of uh, out of two engines that both of them output 750 horsepower. So we've got 1500 horsepower at 1800 RPMs, and that would power up a genset that outputs 500 kilowatts. So just on what you have open in your brochure, there's such a huge market uh, all around the world, uh, and uh, there is a lot of syngas. They don't know what to do with it, and I'm going to burn it. Okay. <laughs> so why don't you uh, give us a website we can go to? Oh, yeah. So the website is uh, ampereinc.ca. So we're, we're a Canadian company. Apparently, we're the only Canadian company to get across the border this year. Uh, so oh. the, con- the website is ampereinc.ca. Ampere, like current, and inc.ca. Very good. And you, you are located here on the grounds in Hangar B. B. And we have 47 and 46. 47, 46. Yeah, just walk in Hangar B and look for the uh, funny-looking engines that don't look like anything you've seen before. There you and, go. Uh, and talk to Luke. How many people you got working back there? Oh, we've, we're seven people strong. Seven people. Okay. <laughs> so, wow. So, if you don't get Luke, I'm sure you'll find someone else that can tell you there all you about go. it. You got it. Bye. See ya. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, kind of David. All right. So, uh, well, thank you, Luke. Appreciate it. You coming by. And... Um, I, I definitely encourage people to stop by Hangar B and talk to him about these uh, very unique engines and the applications that they're putting into it. As always, of course, uh, you can listen to this live on liveatc.net slash SNF. We are at the radio station. If you want to come by, we're just ne- near the Sunset Grill here. Uh, if you know where that is, where you had lunch. Come on by and say hi. We'd love to talk to you. AM 1510, of course. And streaming year-round. You can hear these interviews all year-round. If you're not a son of fun and you... it's you know next august and you want to listen you can hear this stuff then too all right well here we go for some announcements and we'll be back in a few minutes and we're going to move on to our next guest russ and uh that would be well you know what carl so i work with a lot of folks we do a lot of flight training and uh you know what i'm always being asked about is 
how can I find money for flight training? You know, is there any, anywhere I can get scholarships? Uh, you know, how, how can I find out about this information? What is there for me available? And you know what? I know somebody who happens to publish a scholarships guide, and that is you, Carl. So, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the scholarships guide? You know, it, it's interesting. First of all, a big shout-out to uh, James C. Ray Foundation for what they do and, and uh, the scholarships that they give away. Very much involved here at uh, the ACE, the Aerospace Center for Excellence. And uh, I, I get this question often because a lot of folks here, they have the resources to find scholarships, but most people don't. And uh, there are scholarships out there for everyone. And uh, we happen to publish the largest aerospace scholarships guide in the U.S., probably in the planet. We're not sure. We haven't compared them throughout the other countries. But we have over $120 million wow. in scholarships in this guide. It's up to that much. It's that's, up to, that's amazing. It's actually more than that. We just haven't counted in the past year. <laughs> yeah, I uh, see. So we're getting so many new scholarships. As a matter of fact, one of the big organizations that, that uh, is involved in scholarships, Women in Aviation, they're actually coming out with another scholarship. I Hopefully they've already announced it, but they're going to have another one coming up here shortly. I hope I don't steal their thunder. Uh, but you can find that right there in the scholarships guide. So, uh, so, so this, this scholarship guide, how do I get it? It sounds great, but, but where, do, where do I get it? So, so one of the things that we found is that people do like to hold on to a book. We haven't actually published it as a printed book because it's a little over 1,000 pages that's right now. That's a pretty big book. It is, but, you know, in something that's this diverse and there's so many different scholarships out there, uh, we find that people like to physically flip through these. Just like you're uh, flipping through a travel guide, you like to quick look at things. We also have it indexed by many different topics and topical areas. The way you can find it is simple. You can actually go to our, our podcast, aviationcareerspodcast.com, click on scholarships, or aerospacescholarships.com. And by the way... If you're listening right now, you can get one for free. If you know somebody that wants one, and by the way, it's only $10 for one-year access. You get uh, updated every month. Just go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash free. There's people that have said, listen, I want to give something, but I can't give away a scholarship. Can I give away free guides? And I said, sure. So what they've done is they put coupon codes out there, and you can use uh, Plain English Sim as one of the sponsors of it, uh, Spartan.edu, uh, Spartan School of Aeronautics. Right. There's all sorts of people that are giving away free scholarships, guys. So you can get it for free. So that's the way you can do it, aviationcursepodcast.com slash scholarships. How do, how do I, if I want to contribute some money towards a scholarships guide, how can I do that? Well, uh, thank, thanks for uh, mentioning that. It's really easy. Uh, just go to aviationcursepodcast.com, uh, click on the Patreon account, and all the money we raise there. Uh, goes to giving away a scholarships guide. It also helps us produce this, but uh, once we raise $10, you give away a guide. Um, also, okay. if you want to give away a bunch, right. contact me directly because we have people that want to give away, say, 100 scholarships guides, and uh, we'll give you definitely a discount if you're going to do that. Okay. Now, yeah, you did mention that there are scholarships for everybody. Okay, And I think we should talk a little bit more about that because I mean, most people think scholarships. <laughs> they think you know, high school, college stage students. But, man, I work with a lot of guys who are you know, career professionals and they're looking to transition or whatever. Uh, and you implied that there might be scholarships for them. So it's interesting you mentioned that. Uh, full disclaimer, the majority of scholarships are going to be for those people that are in high school and in college, about 50% of them, okay? Okay. So let's get rid of those. But, yes, there's scholarships for – there's specific scholarships for for people that are over 40. Uh, for people really? that are in certain demo- – yeah, there's people – there's scholarships for people over 80. Really? Uh, it's pretty amazing what people have put together. There's scholarships for people that live on the south side of Chicago. I mean, they're that specific. So if you ha- are in a demographic group or are in a physical location and you want to find a scholarship, I make you a bet you could find one in there. 
The only problem is it's a real, it's really a lot of work. And, and what I tell people is remember, this is a marathon. You not just get, most people, I'll be honest with you, most people just don't do it. I mean, there's people that just won't apply. If you're one of those people that applies, a lot of times you'll get that scholarship. A, a good example, we have a Women in Aviation Scholarship in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And uh, every year I hear from them saying to me, listen, nobody's taking the scholarship. If someone applies, we'll just give it to them. And we hear that often, not just in that one, but many of them out there. So well, that, That's amazing. That really shows the value of just doing it. Just, do, oh, <laughs> just doing it. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. You took the words out of my mouth. Oh. If you just apply, doesn't matter what your age is. Now, I do get a lot of pushback from people that are middle-aged and are not of need, right? Okay. And those are the people that are have a tougher time finding a scholarship. I agree. So one of the things we do is a lot of career coaching, and that's one of the things we help people with is, is finding those scholarships. And, and we'll actually find 10 scholarships for them and put a package together, but they also have to go out there and apply. Uh, so, so if you're in that demographic where you're usually over, you know, out of college, uh, middle-aged, and, and you don't think you can get a scholarship, we can help you out there. Uh, but there are scholarships for people that want to continue their education. They want to get an instrument rating. Look at Victoria. I mean, she got a scholarship. Yeah, and, to be a flight instructor, right? Yes, yeah, to be a flight fantastic. instructor. And, and it may not pay for everything. But I tell you what, say you did like two hours of work and you got a $5,000 scholarship. That, that's you know, a pretty good return that's on a your great, time. That's $2,500 an hour. <laughs> yes. And let's pretend you only get $500. Even if you just get $500, it is a great return. It also teaches you how to put the scholarships guide or put your scholarships together and, and turn in this application. That is the toughest part. And we talk a little bit about, and we'll get into that later, but we talk things about how to put the letter of recommendations together, how to ask for one. And also how to tell your story. And that's what I, if, if the one thing I want everybody to think about right now, if you're thinking about trying to get a scholarship, what is your unique story? How are you different? And, and what can you tell people about why you want to have this scholarship? Because it's not just about need, not just about demographics. You have to convince this committee that you're passionate about what you want to do. Well, I think what people don't realize is that applying for a scholarship is very much like a job application. You're trying to sell yourself and you're trying to convince them that you are the one they should select. But it's also something that, that, pay, that benefits from practice. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that, that first scholarship application is probably going to be a bear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the second one, that's going to be a whole lot easier. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and on, on like that. I, you know, it's interesting be, that you mentioned that because some people don't even think that they're unique and maybe uniquely qualified for a scholarship. Say somebody says that they, you know, their name is Piper and they want to go get a, a Piper scholarship. I tell you what, you should apply for that scholarship <laughs> because of your unique name. And as a matter of fact, we might know somebody who's like that. <laughs> we do. We do. Uh, <laughs> You've heard yes. around the announcements. <laughs> yeah, my daughter has done some of the announcements here, and yes, her name is Piper. So, there it is, Piper. Yeah. And, and hopefully she's going to apply for some scholarships. We shall see. She's yeah. only 13, so uh, she's got a little bit of time left. So the only 13, interestingly enough, there's scholarships out there like the Arthur Godfrey Foundation, and they give away scholarships for gliders. Uh, there's a, a gentleman named Trevor Simino. He actually was uh-huh. able to get that scholarship. Yeah. And here's an interesting thing about scholarships, and this is going to be a shock to people. A lot of people get scholarships just to say that they got scholarships and they don't use them. Really? Uh, so, oh, yeah. I mean, we have parents that push a lot of their students to, to get the scholarship just so they can have as a badge of honor and they never use them. 
What I ask people to do is if you don't need that scholarship, if you don't need that $10,000, please put it back into the scholarship fund. And uh, I guess the word's gotten out because Trevor actually got two scholarships at once. Really? Because the person didn't need the scholarship. So there are people that don't need it. Uh, I have a friend that got the 737 scholarship and also the Airbus A320 scholarship and said, I don't need both of those. What do I need both of them for? <laughs> so let me give one of those back. And they were able to give it to somebody else. So hats off to those folks. That's fantastic. I'd love to hear that. So. Uh, one more time, uh, give us the website we right. can go to. It's really easy to find, uh, aviationcareerspodcast.com. Click on scholarships. And if you have any questions about the scholarships, go to the contact page there. Uh, people are want people they want to give money away. And what's really great about this pandemic is a lot of people stepped up and they want people to succeed. So they're giving away more scholarships, just like the people in women in aviation. That's a great story. I love every bit of it. Uh, I <laughs> definitely go to Aviation Careers Podcast. It's also a podcast about and, aviation oh, careers. Oh, yeah, and, yes. and we give advice throughout, and, yeah, and we do the career coaching. I didn't want to get into it. There's, we, there's home and the other things. Oh, uh, yeah. That, no, yeah, yeah we can well, sit here for hours. There. <laughs> <laughs> while we're there. Well, thanks so much. The After Landing Checklist. Well, I hope you enjoyed those interviews. Don't forget to join us in the next episode where we have more live interviews from Sun and Fun 2021. We're going to try to bring you as many interviews out there. Don't forget there are even more because at Sun and Fun, they also have liveatc.net slash SNF, which you can listen all year long, or you can go to snfradio.com and listen to the chats from the deck. We really appreciate your listening and can't wait to talk more with people on the deck and also out there in the field in the next episode. Well, folks, stay flying out there. We'll talk to you next episode. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.